All right. Uh, welcome back, Internet people. Just to give you a clarification of what's going on, this is uh, a reconstitution of episode 42 of Kenter at Your Own Risk with Kent, Kevin, and Chris. Uh, we will be going over our most overrated movies, at least the top five list, although like a 67 list for Kent. Um, but we are reconstituting this from some technical difficulties that we had, so uh, it might not be as engaging as our typical podcast, and I'm going to forever regret that you guys will not be able to hear our original 42, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, anyways, we're back. Uh, this is probably going to throw a little bit of a twist into 43, since we're going to be recording it after we've done 43 already, so uh, just bear with us for these, these next two podcasts, and uh, when we get back to 44 in June, talking about terrible twos in horror movies we'll be back on track but i'm doing okay kent and kevin how are you guys doing i'm doing good yeah i'm good you know i mean i i just just to sum up the quote-unquote the original for you two we all like the movies that we got suggested and what was it, Chris? You you said that Nightbreed is now coming out on 4K, right? Yeah, I uh, I was laughing because we talked about Nightbreed in OG42, and then I think we talked about it a little bit in OG43. Yeah, uh, and then a little a little bit later, I saw that um, they're doing a, a re-release of a 4K di- version of the director's cut with you know like all the bells and whistles, and I was just like, wow three months in a row that we've been talking about Nightbreed. What's, what are the odds? But, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was. Deserves it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So long story short, just OG 42. If you're into weird, crazy shit, watch possession. If you're into, <laughs> I'd say vintage nineties horror from Clive Barker, watch Nightbreed. And if you're into, Pretty well done black exploitation horror. Watch uh, Blackula. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're they're all fun in their own very weird. There was no common thread amongst those movies, but they were all good and fun. All right, so I don't remember what order we did this in last time, but who wants to go first for tonight? I'll go. I'll go. Okay, Kevin will be talking about his five top five overrated movies. All right, so I'll just get into it. Uh, also, actually, my criteria for overrated films were movies that were uh, that just had a lot of hype around it, whether um, critically, um, audience-wise, horror community, or um, made a bunch of money at the box office, uh, very financially successful, and. My number five is Insidious from 2010, which has 66% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, critics and 62 audience score, uh, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Uh, the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes uh, for Insidious is aside from a shaky final act, Insidious is a very scary and very fun Haunted House Thrill Ride. Directed by James Wan and written by Lee Wannell. The two that brought us saw uh, that brought us up before this. Uh, 
when this came out, I do remember from word of mouth that it was supposed to be legitimately scary. While the beginning does have a decent amount of tension, it it kind of gets cheesy really quick and continues on until it just is kind of weird. Uh, and, and not in necessarily the way that I like movies weird. Uh, some of the dialogue, performances, and direction has its moments. I do not believe it's overall above average B-cheese horror movie. It's it's kind of fun in part, but it is kind of lame in other parts. Uh, I do think it shows promise to James Wan's future, future directorial efforts with movies like The Conjuring and Malignant, um, specifically that kind of, that this felt like. Uh, it, it is more, I don't know, it's, it's kind of barely passable. Um, I didn't really find it scary uh and it's not very memorable except for you know maybe lynche and uh roseburn but that is my uh number five would you guys think overrated underrated perfectly rated go ahead Kent. oh i i i would have actually included this in in my list but i mean that would have made it 68 movies instead of 67, and I thought, well, too much. With that being said, it, it's it's a movie that thrives too much. It relies too much on the jump scare rather than the storytelling element. The acting performances I, I quite like. Uh, it, overall, I quite like it. I just hate the dependency on the jump scare to the point where you know it, it lost its luster by like the last half hour, I really kind of zone out. I've tried watching this three times, and I can't tell you a damn thing that happens in that last half hour. I'm guessing Tiny Tim's tiptoe through the tulips plays at some point, and that's the best I can really recollect. Alright, so at this point in our career of working together, I'm sure Kent is getting tired of hearing certain stories over and over and over again. Uh, and I mean, since this is just a coming a couple weeks after the last time we talked to, told this. Kevin probably will too, but I remember the first night I watched Insidious, uh, I was raiding in an MMO, and my wife was sitting on the couch, uh, just, she was straight up just watching it, and I was watching it, you know, like out of the, the corner of my eye. And I remember when we started the movie, she, she was sitting there by herself, you know, like 30 minutes in, she had a, a blanket in her lap, and then just, like, I kept looking over my shoulder, and the further and further the movie went, the further and further the blanket was, until right at the ending, she had it, like, literally, like, up underneath her glasses, covering, like, her nose and her mouth and the rest of her body. Um, I really like the Insidious movies. Uh, one thing I didn't bring up the last time we talked about this is I like the, the, the whole premise of the further, you know, the, like, the astral projection, rather than it just being dealing with ghosts in a, a haunted house. Um, I know you guys are both uh, pretty big Stephen King fans, too. Did you guys ever read Four Past Midnight? Nay. Um, Kevin? For, was that was that short stories? That was the one... It, it was four novellas. Yeah. It was the the one with Secret Window, Secret Garden, The Langoliers, uh, The Library Policeman, and then one called The Sundog. Oh, yeah. I think I only read the ones they had movies for. So I read the Langoliers... And uh, 
Oh, the 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 premise from the Sundog really reminds me a lot of what they did with the end of Insidious, with the um, the whole like every time you see a picture, something is getting closer and closer to somebody. Um, so I would be very interested to hear if Lee Winnell, you know, had read that story and took that portion, you know, with the um, the uh, crazy old lady uh, getting closer to. Um, Patrick Wilson, you know, in every photo as a child. Uh, but yeah, there were, I mean, to be completely fair, there were a lot of jump scares. Uh, a lot of shit doesn't get explained until the second movie. Um, and one of the things I disliked about three and four were how they were both prequels in order to justify having, uh, Lynn Shay in them. Although I think she's really good in this part. Like it's fucking perfect for her. Uh, and again, just be interested to see, cause, uh, almost a month to today, uh, we're getting, uh, Insidious, not Insidious 5, but Insidious the Red Door, which is the fifth one in the series. Um, yeah, like, I like a lot of, um, James Wan's stuff. Like, I don't necessarily know if I'd put Malignant up there, but yeah, I think if you're looking at like a relatively like a trio of stuff. Yeah, I would put Sinister and uh, the the Conjuring up above this. But I think this is easily a third best spooky, haunting, demon, blah, 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 from about that three-year period of time, you know, between 2010 to 2012. Anyways, that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I still need to watch Insidious too. So, um, okay. So I'm going to go on to number four, uh, Terrifier 2, uh, from 2022, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 85%, audience, 80%, IMDb, 6.2 out of 10, and Letterboxd, 3 out of 5, with, uh, written and directed by Damien Leon. And it also, its box office was $15.1 million on a $250,000 budget. Uh, though it does deliver, deliver buckets of blood and adds a full hour to its runtime compared to the original, I don't see it as anything more than a movie you watch with your buddies over beers. Uh, at two hours and 20 minutes, it kind of overplays its hand where the novelty of the Halloween store costume shop horror wears thin and the shock value isn't really so shocking anymore. Uh, it is fun and worth a watch and I do, and I do like it and I, and I actually think I do get it. Um, I just don't see it as the second coming of Pennywise, Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. Um, and this one is mostly like the horror community like found this and loves it and I don't know, it just it's just very B movie. It it does it is very, very gory. And I get it because we don't get as many of of movies like that, but it is um Yeah, I don't think it does compare in some ways storyline wise it's better than the first one, but it adds so much time to do it. But I think the first one had better scares uh, or just, like, better gags, I guess we'd say. Um, I don't think there's anything better than the song The Woman in Half. 
thing that, uh, which is from the first one. I don't think the, the second one has anything on that. So, did you guys see Terrifier 2 yet? Uh, yeah, to, to kickstart this again, uh, even though it's since it's only been a couple of weeks, I still have not seen it, so I don't really have too much to add to the discussion for this one. See, this all starts fucking making sense now. This, this is what happened. I, I, I think I bitched at Kevin last time, and Kevin intentionally, intentionally, maliciously, just didn't, didn't save it. He didn't want want to hear me yell at him over this transgression of putting Terrifier 2 on this list. And although I will agree that it was too long, I mean, horror movies really shouldn't ever go past two hours unless it's kind of, uh, it's kind of almost got to be like a horror epic, and there's nothing about Terrifier, any, any aspect of Terrifier that's, you know, of the, you know, The Shining or, uh, you, you know, like a really... Masterpiece. Uh, Terrifier 2 is never going to be called a masterpiece, I don't think. Uh, with that being said, this was like 100% fan service, and I, I guess that's why I don't, I don't want to call it overrated. If anything, I would call Terrifier 1 overrated, and I would say All Hallows Eve 1 is the best of the group. But the segment with Art the Clown is only like 25 minutes long, but it's still really, 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 really good. But Terrifier 2 is probably like the second best of the... I, I say the trio, I think there was actually a, a short film before All Hallows Eve that first introduced Art the Clown, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I didn't really do all the research because, yeah, I forgot to. Uh, but anyways... I'm not. I'm not angry with Kevin. I'm just disappointed with Kevin over this. Yeah. The only. Um, you know, I, I think I'll leave it at that. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. We'll just leave it. Leave it at that. No. But I do. I do understand why people like love it, and I do feel like that it's probably so long just because they had so much fun doing it, and they probably didn't know that they would ever be allowed to make another one. So. so Can I wonder how much they actually like filmed? If they had like, did they just not cut anything that they filmed, or did they film even like an even a ton more that we didn't see? Like, I'm genuinely curious, like what the editing process yeah. was for. Yeah, I just feel like you know, once again, because took of all the money, like I'm gonna spend every cent and make this as long as I possibly can, gushing blood and shoving mashed potatoes into shotgun holes. Would you say, though, that this has bought, uh, what was it, Damien Leone? Like, yeah. I think it's bought, them, well, like, at least The hype from this, actually, it, like, it's getting, the, the first this. one is getting I, released in I, a, I think they uh, could make a shitty movie. actual theatrical run uh, that it didn't get the first time. So, so it's getting, so they're, yeah, and that's probably going to be just in time for Halloween, and that's it'll probably nice. be even more... Overhyped and in another year, yeah, it, yeah. I'm just predicting the over the overhypeness of this. It, movie, we'll probably get like Terrifier three next year. Oh, I bet, I bet. <laughs> Terrifier Fair. three is in pre-production. Yeah. So. Okay. So. 
moving on. Number three, Prey, 2022, uh, directed by Dan Trachenberg, written by Patrick Asen. Um, critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 93%. Uh, audience, 73%. Uh, IMDb, 7.1 out of 10. And Letterboxd, 3.6 out of 5. Uh, it did not get a theatrical uh, release, but on a budget of $65 million, it was the most watched across all platforms the week of August 12th, 2022. Um, while I do think it is a good movie, uh, I do not. I just don't think it's the best one since the original. Uh, when this came out, it was highly praised by critics and discussed by the internet and people that I know on Facebook. It was one of the movies that like everyone, you know... I don't know, people that I know see make posts all the time were posting about Prey. Um, I did appreciate it more the second time watching it, but I think I just, because of I going in, I had my expectations lowered. Uh, I get that it's sci-fi, but I thought for the time period it portrays, it was just a little CGI heavy. Uh, I didn't, Really like the Predator design, but I, I do get what they were going for. Um, I get that no two Predators look alike, and uh, and maybe the bar for the Predator movies was just set so far low after Shane Black's The Predator, which I still have not seen, um, and I do want to see. Uh, everyone was blown away by this Apocalypto meets the Predator in this, like, mixed bag of genre films. Uh, all in all, it's a good movie. Uh, I just am not totally blown away by it, and I, you know, might think that Alien vs. Predator Requiem is, is... I think I like that a little bit more than Prey. But... Alright, that's that's what I got on Prey. Oh, I love it when we do something over again and new stuff comes to light, putting Alien versus Predator. It was brought up later on, and I regret not speaking up. Yeah, he left that out last time. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, that's big words right there. Um, You want to go first, Kent? No, no, have at it. I think this was one of the ones that we had the most discussion about last time. Uh, I really enjoyed Prey. Uh, I thought, I mean, I'll, I'll be much more succinct. I thought it was a pretty good example of, of doing a female empowerment role in a way that works, uh, especially in a horror movie heroine kind of situation. You know, you, you see this, uh, woman practicing, trying, failing. It's not like she's a Mary Sue where she automatically is the strongest, the smartest, the best fighter, the best tracker succeeds at everything. Um, I get where you're coming from with the, the uh, design of the Predator, like, the one thing I'll say for that, too, is you never really get a great look at the Predator in this one. Uh, there's, there's never, like, a full-on moment where you're seeing him where he's not obscured by darkness or fog or, you know, having his helmet on. Unlike, you know, like the the final showdowns with Arnie or uh, Danny Glover. Uh, and the one thing I'll say is I fucking love Predator 2, so I think that that tops Predator 1, in my opinion. But I'll keep it shorter than last time. Go ahead, Kent. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sitting here struggling to really add much new to the conversation, but I'm so happy that Kevin brought up Alien vs. Predator Requiem <laughs> because it's a terrible movie. And I just want to go on the record saying that it's a terrible fucking movie that makes me sad. And I, it makes me even sadder that I've watched it twice. But, you know, it's weird. I don't think I actually own uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem on Voodoo. Of the hundreds of horror movies, I think I might be able to proudly say I don't own that yet. I mean, I will, probably by the end of the year, but right now, in this very moment, I can proudly say I do not own it. Uh, anyway, Prey, I, I really liked it. Uh, I, I think I regaled you guys with, with the story that I showed my wife this, uh, well, like... Uh, last month, and <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is a Predator movie, and she didn't believe me until you know, however long into the movie when you first see the Predator, she's like, oh, you're fucking telling the truth. I'm like, yeah, like, what? why wouldn't you think that? And then, you know, naturally it was like, well, because you lie to me all the time, and uh, you know, she's right, but, uh, you know, I, I don't lie about horror too often. Um, unless I try to mislead saying, you know, obviously it's this person that's the killer and clearly it's not. Uh, I don't know. I, li- I do like to mislead. I-, I can't lie, but I wouldn't lie about Prey because I've really, really enjoyed Prey. I don't necessarily know if it belongs on this list because of all the Predator movies, this is my second favorite Predator movie. So, yeah, someday if we're doing this like in 13 years and we are running low on ideas and we do a Predator franchise, I'm sure we will have vastly different numbers. Yep. That could be interesting <laughs> okay. in 13 years. All right, moving on. For show. My number two is uh, Mandy, 2018, directed by Panos Cosmatos, written by Aaron Stewart on, and Panos Cosmatos, uh, the critics... Gave it Rotten Tomato 90%, audience score 67, uh, IMDb 6.5 out of 10, and Letterbox 3.6 out of 5. Uh, box office 1.7 million on a budget of 6 million. Uh, I I really like this movie. Um, this is kind of the movie that I put on there that I like. I do think it's overrated. I don't see it as a masterpiece that people do. Uh, my friend Matt loves this movie. Uh, he says it's like his top five film of all time movies. Uh, I like the retro 1983 vibe mixed with like the acid art house style. Uh, my third time watching it, I do like it more and more. So maybe I will, it will get there, but for now it feels too long. The first hour has a great pace of suspense, and it gives me crazy anxiety. The second half doesn't deliver the Road Warrior meets Charles Bronson revenge film. It kind of sets itself up to be. uh, It takes so long to get to the end, I kind of lose my attention by the time it gets to the last kill, or even the Richard Brake scene. Uh, I think maybe the comparisons to Lynch hurt it more, at least for, for me, because... It's not really all that either. Uh, I feel like I should love this movie with the LSD cult and the bathtub crank version of the Cenobites in it. But overall, the movie is called Mandy, and she is played by Andrea Risenborough, who is terrific. And once she isn't really in the movie anymore, I 
kind of struggle to stay interested. Uh, it's good. It's kind of cool. Uh, really good, but maybe not great. Uh, even compared to some of Nicolas Cage's other misfires. So, uh, but it it has a really cool aesthetic. It just doesn't kind of hold all the way there. Though this time, I kind of think I do understand the ending, but I won't go into that because this isn't really like meant to like deep dive it. But uh, would you guys get a chance to see this? Uh, I still haven't got a chance to watch it, so. Yeah, it's on Tubi, again, and I would suggest not watch it on Tubi because it kind of would totally mess up the pace of this movie. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's on anything else at the moment. I, I, I might have it on Voodoo. I, I, I think I do. I think I have Mandy and. Uh, was it the color out of space is like a two pack, uh, probably labeled stupidly in voodoo because anytime you buy like, uh, multiple movies, like they don't list them individually. And sometimes they're under really weird names that you wouldn't think of like universal horror collection. And it's like the Wolfman, fucking predator and alien or I, I don't know, just using weird examples here, but you know, it just, yeah, it just throws everything out of whack when you try and do alphabetical order here. Uh, with that being said, I, I'm going to agree with you because I, I had heard all the hype about Mandy, and it just didn't hit in a way that met the the hype for me. Um, what is interesting, because I, I can't add too much more, is that I recently watched uh, the Showtime miniseries Waco, yeah. and uh, Andrea... Risenborough, or however you pronounce her name, she was um, she was in it, and she was so much better in the Waco miniseries than she was in Mandy. And she, I thought she was the best part of Mandy, but I still I really liked her performance in Waco. Um, and even though it's really not like it's not a horror, it, it was still really really good with some awesome Michael uh, Shannon with Taylor um, Kitsch. Yeah, I can't think of people right now, but. John Leguizamo. Yeah, Taylor Kitsch really, really, really surprised me with how good he was in it. Michael Shannon's consistently great. And John Leguizamo, I think, actually like got nominated for like an Emmy or some shit for his performance. And I normally pick on Leguizamo, but I thought he did good. Rory Culkin was also in it and really good. Uh, I, just going to throw that out there. If you have Showtime and you got like four and a half hours to kill, it's pretty damn good interesting uh watch but uh oh aside from i'll that, take I'm it not adding much to the man um, conversation i just agree. and uh i will add that the waco aftermath is really good too it's more of like the courthouse drama thing giovanni rubisi's in it and john leguizamo's in it and michael shannon playing the characters from the first season so Yeah, I plan on watching it, not this cool. coming... Yeah, maybe it is this next weekend. Yeah, I think it's this coming weekend I plan on watching it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to give it a whirl because I don't think I'm keeping Showtime for much longer and I'm just trying to get through sure. like the handful of things that all right. I really, okay, well, really want to see before to my I number one overrated it. movie. Um, the Last House on the Left, 
1972, uh, directed by Wes Craven and written by Wes Craven. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 63%. Critics, audience, 50%. IMDb, 5.9. Letterboxd, 3. And the box office was $3.1 million on a $90,000 budget. And though this one doesn't have the greatest ratings, but its legacy for exploitation horror... And I'd say the word of mouth on this, at least when I was a teenager and uh, in my early 20s growing up, uh, kind of set this up to be something that just didn't work out for me. Or it just doesn't work for me. Uh, it, it, it is intense, scary, and in parts really uncomfortable. But the other parts are kind of they're silly, campy, and just kind of stupid. Uh, this is Wes Craven's directorial debut. Um and I feel that is more the reason for its legacy status than the movie itself. There are a lot of good ideas, but overall are poorly executed. Um, the movie cuts from an intense rape scene to like a scene of just bumbling cops going down some dirt road. It looks like it's like a blooper reel from the Dukes of Hazards. It's just nonsensical. For what it is, it's okay uh, overall, I think, but just not the terror classic that I think the horror community gives us credit for. Uh, yeah, the bad guys are really bad, and the cops are idiots and useless in this. I get it, but the film is overall it's just all over the place, and it just kind of never keeps its footing. Kind of like the really bad booby traps um that the parents set up in the end uh but yeah um last house on the left uh was was this on lots of your movie list kent uh on <clears throat> regarding it being on the list thankfully i was already at the m's so looking at last house out of the 11 list, it appeared three times at 32, 41, and 75, which is... The 32 and 41 especially are way higher than... I would never consider... I, I don't... I wouldn't consider this even top 100, but if somebody says it's their 75th favorite horror movie, okay. You know, I'm not going to begrudge that, but 32nd? You ain't been... What have you watched? 33 horror movies? Like, what the, what the fuck? So, no, no. Like, it's... It was a really good start, especially for its time frame. Uh, I, I think last time I even made mention that I, I Spit on Your Grave was a better film that was in a similar vein. Um, it, even though it was more graphic, it had a better story. The acting seemed better. A lot of things about it was just better. Uh, I'm grateful that this movie exists, but early Wes Craven is not... It doesn't hold up that well. I mean, you know, if you look at The Hills Have Eyes, it's it's pretty damn cheesy by by today's standards. Um, I mean, yeah, I know the original Nightmare on Elm Street's a little cheesy, but at least it still kind of it holds up. Whereas some of early Wes Craven stuff just doesn't. I, I don't think it holds up as well as people want to paint it, I guess. So, uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree that Last House on the Left is overrated uh, and shame on whoever ranked it 32nd. That's what I got. I would agree with both of you. Uh, 
good. This is a good choice, Kevin and Kent. I agree with you too that I Spit on Your Grave is a much better version of like the same kind of revenge genre horror movie. Blah blah blah. Uh, I didn't. It just didn't come up a lot in the stuff I was looking up. But you know, I routinely see this as like one of the best horror movies of all time nice. on you know top hundred lists. So yeah, uh, really good choice, Kevin. All right, Kent, you want me to go next? Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, to, again, hit up what, what Kevin was saying, my criteria uh, was based on a couple of things. Uh, part of it is ep- ephemeral, you know, uh, perception. You know, not necessarily lists, but you know how I generally hear people talk about the, the movie. Uh, part of it is based on uh, its rating that it gets, and I pulled... Um, from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and then part of it was based upon, uh, the box office take based upon its budget. It didn't work straight across for all of them. Like my number one was a, uh, kind of a budgetary failure compared to, uh, what its box office take was. But, uh, I always hear it talked about being highly rated and, uh, to put it in perspective, my number one underrated movie was The Exorcist 3, which only had a 56% Rotten Tomatoes rating and a 6.5 IMDb rating. And uh, that is worse than all but one of these on the list. So uh, to go into it, my number five uh, most overrated horror movie was The Purge. Uh, that came out in, what was it? 2012, 20, 2013. Uh, so it made 91.2 million on a budget of 3 million. Uh, it's only got a 36% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.1 on IMDb. Uh, long story short, it's a really interesting concept. Um, they, which they went on to do really well in the purge, uh, Anarchy and the Purge Election Day, and then kind of started falling away from there again. But um, the uh, the execution just didn't hold up great in the first one. Uh, some of the story choices towards the end don't make sense. Some of the story choices towards the beginning don't make sense. Um, and I think probably the most disappointing thing about it was this was the first thing that uh, Ethan Hawke did right after Sinister, which is probably one of my all-time top three favorite horror movies. So, uh, uh, I mean, that's that's basically it. Uh, I could go on longer, but why why bother talking more about something that I find underwhelming? Yeah. It, you can go ahead, Kat. It, it, it's weird. It's It's... It, hell, I don't even know if we could ever make a podcast out of it because there's such few, so many, so few examples. If I stop stumbling over my fucking words here, um, there's so so few examples of franchises where the original is arguably one of the worst. Uh, but Purge is like this rare exception where parts two, three, and four all exceed it, and the only saving grace is that the final purge exists, and uh, t- 
damn, that movie fucking sucked. But, uh, just a lot of logical, uh, gaps in the movie. Like, you could see the vision, but, I don't know, it almost feels like, when you watch The Purge, do you sometimes get the feeling that more than one person was at the helm of writing it, and it just kind of got mixed up a little bit, Chris? You know, it was, it's a Blumhouse movie, Blumhouse, Blumhouse, whatever movie. And it's Jason Blum, but it's yeah. Bloomhouse, I think. Yeah, there we go. Like a bomb house. <laughs> um, and looking at like the the credit for the writers, the writer, um, I don't know. I mean, I could definitely see it being more along the lines that uh, the Purge Anarchy and the Purge Election Year were the the outriders because like this this guy wrote the Purge all of the Purge stuff. And he did a screenplay for Assault on Precinct 13, which I thought was a pretty decent remake. But, again, it wasn't original. You know, you're you're building off something that fucking John Carpenter already did, so you have a pretty good basis point. But then I'm looking like, Skinwalkers? Some of the other... Yeah, no. So, I would, I would rather err on the side of saying the good ones were probably the anomaly... And yeah, I could I could definitely see this as being something where there was like studio interference. Um, yeah, I probably should. Have or that or maybe players. maybe Michael Bay was a producer too. Maybe it was that there was <laughs> not enough studio interference to get this guy on the right track. <laughs> right. Sometimes you need to have somebody rein you in. Yeah, you, you you do, and it just it seemed like there was almost like two paths that were running parallel. And then there was like some divergence, just enough where it didn't quite all come together, and you were just sitting there pulling your hair out, and here I am now, hairless, and I blame the purge. <laughs> That's what I have to offer. <laughs> well, I'm not going to blame the purge for all my problems, but it was okay, um, but... It does. It doesn't come together. It, there's so much potential, and it kind of and it just goes off the rails. And I feel like the the twist that they're trying to pull that that they did pull just didn't work for the movie. You know, um, I'm just gonna say it if you anyone's seen it, but like the you know the the neighbors thing um, just seemed kind of like cheesy, it, like as, as intense as the middle part of the movie is uh, and kind of like the, I guess maybe the tension and maybe the mystery of the first time watching the purge of what's actually really had like going to happen with a fan of like the running man or series seven, which is like a really cool, like uh, it's kind of like a reality show or they draw names, you know, or like, you know, the hunger games. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's 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 okay, but I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit better um, with all of the hype around it. But having read the Richard Bachman Running Man, um, that was always kind of my favorite way. I don't know, like idea of like these kinds of movies. So everything's kind of, and even the movie Running Man is, you know, second place to that. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's Kevin, if you like crazy that and over the top. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Like, I love it. Everyone's killing each other in a city. Like that's, Yeah, sign me go, up. Go, 
go on YouTube and look up slashers because the whole movie's in there like in 11 parts and it's very much a spiritual child of the running man. Um, uh. You know what? I was just thinking as you were talking, Kevin, I'm like, can we possibly blame Rob Zombie's 31 on the purge? Uh. I'd like to blame it. Because there's a similar, like, you know, a similar yeah. kind of halfway twist, if, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Um, I don't feel like Rob Zombie was probably influenced by The Purge, though. But, but I do think that Rob Zombie's Thirty One probably got a green light on funding because of it. Wait, or did he even get funding? That was crowdfunded, wasn't it? That is something I do not know. I think it was crowdfunded. It was a lot of like hype for the Rob Zombie fanatics on that yeah. movie. So I think he like crowdfunded that movie. So I don't know. So I guess oh, I guess forget what I just said then because that would make sense. I'm going to go publicly here and just say I just had a great idea for a podcast that we won't get to until next year since we just fleshed everything out. But great horror movies where the opening scene's the best part of the movie because 31 falls in that category a million times over. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the opening to 31, but it's Richard Brake giving this great monologue, and he looks awesome. He delivers it as only Richard Brake can, and it really, really, really is great. And you can stop the movie after that scene, quite frankly. <laughs> That'd be an interesting one. We'll have to remember. Yeah, I, uh... I like the chainsaw clowns, but <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. Isn't one like the like it's like the big one and the short one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so one of the dudes was yeah, on okay. uh, the Walking Dead. Yeah, he's one of the guys in the prison. But yeah, yeah it was. Um, uh, it, it, I don't know, Lou, Lou Temple, yes. psycho head. Yeah, 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 and. He's always he's fun. I I really do enjoy him, but yeah, it, it, it's a movie that has a good cast. But yeah, but I, at this point, I'm sorry. Now I'm just we're way the fuck away from Purge. I apologize, but and I'm just thinking things. All right. So after the Purge, uh, to kind of trigger it back into that, based off what we were just talking about, um, I have a Rob Zombie movie from was it ninety nine. 2003. Sorry, I don't know where fucking 1999 came from. Uh, in House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, this is a interesting one in regards to the fact that it uh, it was successful on its box office return, but not enough to potentially have greenlit uh, two sequels, in that it, it made $17 million off a budget of $7 million. Uh, it's got a 65% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.0 on IMDb. Um, I don't. This is a this is a a case, I guess, <laughs> similar to the Purge, where I think. Oh, I know Kent might argue this, but I think this is probably the weakest one in the series for me. Um, and I never would have expected going from House of a Thousand Corpses, which it had some interesting scenes. Uh, I I really like what they did with the um the the death of the deputies and the sheriff um but it it also had a lot of shit that didn't make sense it it was like flash cuts that 
you would see in like a Rob Zombie music video, the whole Dr. Satan thing I know I brought up last time. And again, that just feels like you, it gets brought up at the beginning, uh, ignored for a good portion of the movie, and then comes out of fucking nowhere at the end and just goes like balls out crazy. Um, I don't know if I necessarily think that Sherry Moon Zombie uh, is a good enough actress to really maintain like the place that she has in most of his films. One of the things I don't think I brought up enough though is uh like the rest of the cast was fucking really good though. Not necessarily the the, the victims, but you know, like Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, uh I, f- I forgot to say anything about Karen Black. Um you know just really good performances in and of what they're doing, but it, it's more like they were trying to overcome Rob Zombie's deficiencies as a director and writer. And, um, I, I will say this, like, I actually really fucking love the devil's rejects. So I never would have expected that if house of a thousand corpses, you know, was, was what I had to base, you know, all of my opinions on before going into that movie. So, uh, there you have it. Well, I like the Devil's Rejects more than uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, but I do like House of a Thousand Corpses more than I like uh, the 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 Three from Hell. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. And that's the only one that I've seen once of of those movies, and uh, or maybe any of his movies. Actually, I think that's the only one I've seen once. Uh, oh, and the monsters, but yeah. I, I do like House of a Thousand Corpses. It was intense when it came out, and it was. I actually found it kind of impressive. But the second time you watch it, you kind of see the you know. And I've seen it probably like six or seven times now, maybe ten times. I don't know. But the that it the first part doesn't kind of work with the second part, like the Doctor Satan thing. I don't know. It's it it was always kind of cheesy to me. I really didn't care for it. But um, I do like the scene where he's like, you're looking for Dr. Satan and you found him and he's real. Like, and then they're like dressed up like bunnies. I don't know. It was, it was kind of wild. I was never really a big Rob Zombie fan. Um, I mean, I liked maybe the more human than human white zombie song, but I was never really a big Rob Zombie music fan. And so I went in with like a really, really low bar. And and I was impressed with it, uh, but I do I do get it because there is a lot of like Rob you know Rob Zombie can do no wrong, and I think maybe it has the same effect like the Terrifier movies is um, you know the people are so pumped about it and it it's just this like con- fans are fanatics yeah and there's just like such you know? concentration of it between this small group that it seems bigger than than it really is if you're, you know, in tune with the energy of, like, you know, horror. Uh, so, yeah, I I, uh, I I get it. I understand what you're saying, but I I do like it better than Three from Hell. But uh, Devil's Rejects is so good. So, so good. And I'm glad they totally abandoned all of the Dr. Satan stuff, and it really had very little to do with uh, the first movie, pretty much 
10 minutes after it, after it starts. I, I really feel like, uh, house of a thousand corpses. A lot of the problems is just that it's got so much baggage in, in like the, the homages it tries to evoke, you know, like, um, Texas chainsaw, uh, Hills have eyes, that kind of stuff. I mean, and you know, when it comes down to it, would I rather watch Texas Chainsaw or House of a Thousand Corpses? I mean, I think that's a an easy fucking choice right there. Yeah. Both versions of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for that matter, because the reboot was really good, too. All right. Uh, you got anything? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll say this. And, and I, I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. The first half to the first, I don't know, like it's an hour and 29. You could even say like the first hour of the movie is actually really good. Now imagine you cut out that whole Dr. Satan shit and just give us more Otis, Spaulding, and Baby, and Mama Firefly, and definitely a lot more of Tiny. All right? You get rid of all the fucking Dr. Satan stuff and you give us a completely different last half hour. I think that movie becomes a fucking masterpiece, quite frankly, because there was a lot of fun things. It's, you know, the first half hour itself is really, really good. It kind of, I don't know, I find it very enticing. And then you kind of are like, all right, we're going to hit that middle part where, you know, it could make or break the movie. And yeah, you're sitting there like, eh, okay, Dr. Satan needs to pay off. And it does not pay off at all. Uh, falls flat on its face. It, I don't know. I, there was a lot of good stuff there, and I, I'm cool with the homages. Like, it's just, it, it it's a movie that it's a horror movie. It's a fucking Stephen King movie. Let, let, let's be honest. All Stephen King movies start really strong and end up falling flat towards the end. I say um, every, but you know, the vast majority of them fall flat in the second and third act. Okay, like, so I'm just going to call this a Stephen King movie. Quite frankly, a very. Very violent Stephen King movie. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would agree for, for a good portion of that, but I, I think the pacing is a little bit off too in regards to saying like the beginning is is a masterpiece because, uh, like, even with the doctor, say I feel like they needed to have like one or two more victims in in the the group of you know victims because because sure. uh, it feels like you go from zero to like half of them are dead within, you know, a relatively short period of time. Like the only other movie that I felt really had that big of pacing problems that I can remember off the top of my head is Prometheus, where you go from, okay, we're, we're landing on this planet and we have some problems to half of the crew is dead within like a 15 minute span of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I think last time we also gave props to Dennis Fimple as Grant, Grandpa Hugo because his comedy was beyond on point. Um, oh, one thing, I don't know if we discussed it last time. Did we discuss whether you guys were pro or con on the really, really long Walton Goggins kill? Pro, pro for sure. Pro. That was, that was, it is one of the highlights of the movie. And it and it takes like a really. I feel like some people don't. It's got like a sinking feeling in your stomach when that happens because like it feels like the whole movie's coming together. Like the cops are in, the girl's dad is there, and then it's just and it kind of actually feels like that scene 
belongs more in the Devil's Rejects than the rest of the movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, that's the problem. you got stuff like that that shows flashes of greatness, and then you have, you know, like the jarring fucking MTV cutscenes, you know, mixed in there. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Those cuts should have never made it. Like, those little snippets that you're referring to yeah. just never... <sighs> it's, it's shit like that that gives the movie a, a far worse reputation, and, I mean can't take it back at this point but I, I don't think he i don't think rob had enough people reining him in huh seems like a common thread in christmas well i think here. they made him cut a bunch of it <laughs> enough people like they, they made him, him cut a bunch of it though so yeah i know and yet they still kept some of this stuff in which is just i, uh, I don't know i mean maybe he was insistent upon it so maybe they know. thought it worked because seven kind of had that kind of quick cutting stuff yeah, just that I, at least MTV Rob gave vibe. Chris Hardwick a yes. job. Yeah, you know, fat Chris Hardwick. We all remember him from MTV singled out with Jenny McCarthy. Then we didn't hear from him for years, and then we saw he put on like fifty pounds and was in a horror movie with Dwight from The Office. And those simple little things are delightful to think yeah, about. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I just want to say the <laughs> that like this from when the point where. He's got the the daughter, she's all tied up, and then he comes in with her dad's face on his. Like, from there, after that movie, it all falls apart. But, like, up to that point, I think it's it's really good. It kind of, like, redeems itself, and it's totally sick and twisted, where he, like, tries to make out with her, with her dad's face <laughs> Like honest, I don't even yeah, like that, describe it. Yeah, yeah that was that's awesome. But then it falls apart because then the Doctor Satan shits there. I don't know. I watch it once every three or four years. I own it. I love it. Um, Rob Zombie's got a place in my heart, but uh, but yeah, it is it is not as as great as the girl I worked with at the sex shop who was absolutely obsessed with Rob Zombie. Um, it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> that whole sentence that you just uttered made yeah. a lot of sense to me. And use, using that as a yep. segue into my number all right. three. Uh, all right, so this one, this, hold on, hold on, one second. This was the nineteen nine. This was the nineteen ninety nine, and I think actually my next two movies, <laughs> my next three might all be from nineteen ninety nine. Uh, was the remake of The Haunting with the all-star studded cast with Lee Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, Lily Taylor, Bruce Dern, uh, Virginia Madsen, and the, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can say anything good about this movie. I would much rather have gone to see House on Haunted Hill, which I saw afterwards, and I was like, wow, that was the better movie horror movie at the time with haunting you know or haunt in the title um it made 181 million off a budget of 80 million uh this is the probably the one on the list that most reflects my own opinions though with only 28 percent on rotten tomatoes and a 5.0 on imdb uh it's just fucking boring it's it's they blew their load on special effects and even though I wouldn't say the original is a classic, the original is 
way better than this fucking remake was. Uh, this is, again, it was... I think this was about the time where, like, uh, 3D effects were starting to, and CGI were starting to become, you know, a little more affordable, so everybody was trying to do them, and this definitely feels like a movie where they blew their budget on the cast and on the special effects and didn't bother looking for stuff like story characters. Um, it's a Jan de Bont horror movie, which should give you kind of an idea because, uh, I think he's a decent director for action, but, uh, unless you're making something like underworld or, I don't know, maybe some of the Resident Evil, you know, mixing action in your horror is kind of antithetical to, uh, to, uh, you know, the whole purpose of the genre. I mean, I guess my, my biggest thing is it's, it's fucking boring. Like it's not scary. And who wants to be bored watching a horror movie? Nobody. That's, that's my, my thoughts. Uh, well, I'll go really quickly. I haven't, I haven't seen this. Um, I, but that cast sounds so good and I like John DeBomp, but I really only like speed and twister of the five movies he made speed Two and Laura Croft tomb Raider, the cradle of life being the other two besides the haunting. Um, yeah. So I, I wish I did check this out. I, uh, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't think it could be overrated, though. But you said there was a lot of hype to it when it came out in the theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was There was. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but even though I don't think it showed up on a ton of lists, it still shows up. You know, like I'll be going... Because I can't tell you how many lists I've looked at over the last, what, three or four years that we've been doing this kind So when you start seeing the same movies over and over and over again on, like... Best ghost stories, best haunted house movies, you know, and and you see this one come up at all. <laughs> it's just lazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, I know people worked on this, but uh, it's really underwhelming. Yeah, it. I mean, it was hyped enough that it got me off my fat ass to go to the movie theater and regrettably sit through however long it was. And this was during the peak of Catherine Zeta Jones. Uh I don't I once can I don't I don't really remember Liam Neeson a ton prior to this movie, but he he was in movies I hadn't seen to be fair. Like it wasn't like he didn't exist, I just didn't he, know him that well. He did a lot of more I want to say dramas and period pieces stuff like that before, you know, he really hit his his stride with that, you know, semi-realistic action. action. Yeah, well, I mean, once he did Taken, you know, every movie he did after that was some variant of Taken. Right, yeah. Uh, um, I don't... Who's the other one? Owen Wilson, right? Like, yeah. I don't even know if I knew who the fuck Owen Wilson was at the time. Uh, but, but with that being said, like, the trailers made this seem like it was going to be a phenomenal experience. It really got me pumped. Uh, so once I left there, I was not so pumped. And I, I, as much as I love theater popcorn, 
I'm not happy if when I walk out of the theater, if the best, most positive thing I can say was at least the popcorn was good. If that's my sentiment, the film has failed me. Big time. And that's how I felt. It, it, you know, it's weird because you mentioned, you know, like how, Chris, you mentioned how uh, this movie and then yet, uh, you know, another movie in the same year that didn't get us enough praise. That really seems to be the general vibe of 1999. The wrong movies get all the hype and the better movies just kind of fell by the wayside. I, I know you're going to talk about it more, but it really does seem like a recurring theme of that. Probably even that like small little few year gap. There was probably a lot of movies that got more hype while there was better uh, similar alternatives, I guess. Yeah. I mean, just shit. Just looking at Owen Wilson's filmography from 1999, you had the haunting, Breakfast of Champions and The Minus Man, and The Haunting is easily the Minus worst one cool. of those three movies. Um, yeah, and can, you you hit it you hit it on the the fucking head. They did a superb job with the marketing for this movie. Uh, it looks like it was going to be fucking amazing, and then it wasn't. Sad but true. All right, my next. One on my list is another 1999 movie, uh, The Sixth Sense. It had a box office taken of 672.8 million off a budget of 40 million. It's got a rating of 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and an 8.2 on IMDb. Uh, I know we've probably argued over whether or not it's actually a horror movie, but they, they definitely marketed it as a horror movie when it first came out. Um, I remember them really playing up the the ghosts angle, you know, making it seem like uh, Haley Joel Osment was going to be in danger a lot from the the ghosts. Um, it's it's not a a bad movie to watch once, uh, but once you once you get the twist, especially if it's like, I don't, do you think you, a person could even watch it now? And, and not know what the twist is. I mean, it's... If you were like 10 or younger, maybe you you wouldn't know, but there there comes an age... There is a, a, a generation now that may have even heard of I See Dead People and oh, have sure. no idea where the fuck it's from. Maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I wonder about the stuff like that where, I mean, you know, something that's so uh, prevalent, you know, like May the Force Be With You or shit like that. Uh, is even possible, especially like I, yeah, like you said. I guess if you're young enough, I could see somebody like not knowing who Kaiser Sose was, or you know what the twist is for this movie. But uh, I mean, other than that, you know, you watch it once and it it's good. I don't. I've I watched it twice, I think, and I've never had the desire to ever watch it again. Um. I mean, this is this is one that I think I could say is probably a good movie, but like if you if you just look at the the ratings, you know, ninety percent and eight point two, that's fucking pretty high for for both uh, Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, and I just I don't agree with it. Uh, I, I again I will bring up I'm really glad we got Donnie Wahlberg, you know, like a comeback in that. Uh, and there was a while where I think Haley Joel Osment was a really good gifted child actor, and he's done some decent stuff as an adult, although he def- doesn't look at anything like he used to. Uh, 
and probably the best thing to come out of this was uh, Tony Collette because she's really taken off, and you know I fucking really enjoyed Hereditary. So, yeah, Tony Collette is is definitely the star of this film. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a you know you watch it twice. Uh, I do believe that the film easily could be rediscovered by 10, 15 year old kids. Uh, I, I, but also I, I would have no idea because they're the way that they absorb entertainment is so different than the way we did, I guess. Cause it was, you know, it was so limited to what the news would talk about or what entertainment weekly or entertainment tonight, or, you know, these were the things that you could, you know, you can just go on the internet and look up movie reviews or, you know, stuff like that. It was, you know, and even at that time, 1999, we, I guess we did have the movie plex then, but before then we only had the theater that had two, two, two screens. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So that you'd get like three movies a day. They'd play like the kids movies, during the day and then they'd play like a movie at night and with along with one movie like the blockbuster that would be (laughs) (laughs) sleepwalkers was the the midnight the the seven o'clock showing they just show it the one oddly enough that that made it to like the sunday matinee and i don't know how but yeah (laughs) well that movie probably was made to like come out in like the Weird, you know. I don't know. Was it like a summer it release? It was I don't, I don't really released rate. Uh, I saw it on Easter with my mom. So, oh Easter, yeah. So that's like dump where they like stuff. dump uh-huh. movies, you know. Yeah, they dump movies. There's nothing really coming out, so they put that out there, and so it'll make it like box office. You know, they make it for cheap, and then you know it plays for five, six weeks, and they make they make their money where they they try to, you know, and then off to video rental and that too that was another thing too is like movies that i didn't really even hear i worked at a video store and i didn't really hear about pearl harbor until it was released on and you know 2000 or whatever and and then it was like made to be like it was going to be the next titanic and it was going to be like this really big big deal and we all were like required to watch it so I don't really think that there's too many movies like that anymore, but The Sixth Sense was definitely like a movie that once it came out on on VHS or, you know, to rent, everyone was, everyone was talking about it and they wanted everyone to know what the twist was. So, you know, you kind of would, or they would either just ruin it for you or because it was just, I don't know, something I think at the time that no one was really watching older kind of movies because it really wasn't as mind-blowing i think you think of it now as it felt then that twist so you know Haley joel osmond seeing dead people so all right well yeah (laughs) but it it is yeah it's all right it's it but yeah it's totally overrated to go along with a couple things kevin said Bringing up Pearl Harbor, I just want to say the best thing that came from that movie is the song about that movie that was in Team America World Police. 
Um, the song was better than the whole damn movie. Um, the other thing you were talking about was like media consumption, especially among like you know the younger generation. And just yesterday, this is a tangent. I'll keep it quick. But I'm watching this video on like top ten hardest bosses in a video game, and like the oldest video game used in reference was Dark Souls. I was like, "Holy fuck, man!" Like, and he was being serious. I mean, he was just I don't know, probably like a teenager, or maybe at best like early twenties. I was like, "Yeah, that that made me feel really old because I mean, Dark Souls is probably like a." I don't know, 10 years old is some, I don't know, could be a little bit older, but... I think 2011, maybe? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's times like that where I'm just like, this is why I can't ever do, like, YouTube videos, because I have no idea how to connect with that audience anymore. It's baffling to me. Uh, But yeah, fuck the Sixth Sense. I've seen it twice. I... Tony Collette's the best thing that came out of it. Uh, I, I don't. I really don't think there's any argument to be made that anybody else outshined her. Uh, it opened up the door for Haley Joel, but I mean, I, I don't blame him. He, he he took as much advantage of the opportunities he was given, but it's not like he went out and killed it afterward. And Bruce Willis always was just going to be Bruce Willis, so he he could fall back on his name value that he built up over the years. But Tony Collette really was the, the real, well, no, I would say M night Shyamalan was the real winner, quite frankly, because we still are watching his damn movies and he's actually improved over the past five years or so. Like he hit a rut and now he's getting his groove back, so to speak. So it just, it, it's a shame. I don't think, I don't think the Sixth Sense would be on my top five Shyamalan movies. Hell no. And I'm not like the biggest fan of him, you know? No, no. It'd be number yeah, six. Probably, it'd probably be six. six. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, so, wait. Dude, so stupid. Wait, where are you guys placing the happening? Because if it's not number one, then you guys aren't. Happening is like second from the bottom. <laughs> only one worse than that is. Happening is probably number seven. Earth. Earth. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sorry, sorry, but, Will Smith. Don't smack me. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw. I saw. You know, I saw After Earth recently. Um, I tried to make it through so many times. I watched it. It was on Netflix. It's okay, but for a Shyamalan movie, it's yeah, it's it's probably eight or nine. I, uh, the Lady in the Water is definitely better. Yeah, I actually really like the Lady in the Water, and I know a lot of people shit all over it. So, me too. Me too. Me too. I don't think it's on my top five, though, so I would have to rework that out. But it, am I the only one that's surprised? Now, like I'm, I'm looking through the notes uh, of this podcast and episode forty three's podcast, and like we never included Stir of Echoes on underrated, and I, I, I don't want to say like it's a you know we a missed opportunity, but really. It, we could have one of us could have easily made the argument that this, the the Star of Echoes was criminally underrated for at least the first year or two from its release because nobody really saw it. I mean, I would I would say that it's it's underrated in that like its box office wasn't anywhere near where the Six Senses was. But I don't know a single person I've ever met who saw that movie and was like, "This is not a good fucking movie." 
Right. You can use box office as the and, and and the the video store element too, because it definitely was like a bit. My dad loved this the Sturbeckos we're talking about, Kevin Bacon. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, and that was a lot better than the Sixth Sense. Um, and like rewatching those movies now, and Stir of Echoes still holds up for me. Even like, but the thing about Stir of Echoes is the first time I watched it, and the second time I watched it, I couldn't remember what happened. Like, and as I'd rewatch it, I would be like, I'd kind of remember, but I didn't remember like the full twist. So I don't know if that if that does me anything, but um, but that made watching it again even better because I didn't remember it. And also it, it didn't have the hype at all that the sixth sense had, but sixth sense was, was it nominated for best picture? Uh, I, I like, think it was. I'm pretty sure it was. Ooh. I can tell you in a second. Just waiting for the internet to load. It was nominated for six Oscars that much. We know it was nominated for best picture. So, I mean, Haley Joel Osment got nominated for Best Actor in Supporting Role for that movie. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here, Academy Awards? What the fuck? Well, he sold it. He did. He did sell it, and and it was pretty creepy. The end. The end scene, I guess, that where at the the little girl's funeral. That was. Yeah. It was pretty creepy, but it wasn't really scary horror and it was that was i guess i did feel that was like a little bit disappointing explanation but still still an effective scene let let me offer you this kevin michael clark duncan in the green mile was also in best actor in a supporting role and he didn't even win it that year well yeah that's well that's because because the academy was still racist at that point Agreed. Michael Clark Duncan. I just actually, uh, in Farming Simulator 2000-something, whatever, I, I modeled my character after Michael Clark Duncan. I was very proud of myself. Oh, he's so good. Actually, I just saw um, uh, The Island. Have you seen that with him? The yeah. Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson movie. He's he's pretty he's pretty great in that movie. He's a small part, but... He did not necessarily have a lot of good choices about things that he made, though, because um, watching uh, The Scorpion King with him in it again, you would be forgiven to even think that this guy knew how to act. Facts. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just given, you know, the right... He's really good in The Green Mile. He, you know, he's a lot of fun in Armageddon, also. Yeah, no, I, he uh, did. A, he had some great performances, and then he had ones where you're like, "Whoa, that's like a fucking 1983 Arnold level of fucking <laughs> acting quality." Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Work, work is work. <laughs> I've had some pretty bad jobs myself. All right, so to bring us on from the Sixth Sense, then I want to go into my number one most hated. I mean, overrated movie. <laughs> uh, this one was not a box office success, but uh, it's decently rated, and I see it on a ton of top lists all the time. Uh, and it's Event Horizon. It made twenty six point six million off a budget of sixty million. 
Uh, it's got a rating of 61% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.6 on IMDb. Um, I, 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 now that we're doing it again, I'm having trouble rearticulating like why I hated this movie so much. Um, it's got a great cast in, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Joely Richardson, Jason Isaacs, Sean Pertwee, you know, so a lot of like the, the British horror people who would continue to, well, I guess just British actors who would continue to come up because, you know, Jason Isaacs has crossed over into a lot of stuff and so is Sean Pertwee. Um, I know people go gaga and apeshit over like the 30 second scene we get of when the ship actually goes into hell. You know, they compare it to Hellraiser and uh, I've heard people say it's the scariest fucking uh, thing you can see on um, in a science fiction movie. I, I don't know. It, Aren't there videos of people like slowing it down just so they can analyze every single detail of it? Yes, yes. And I mean, the one cool thing the I watched the uh, director's cut last time, and they did. I want to say add like maybe an extra minute worth of film of that being shown. Uh, I mean, there were some other cool things, you know, like it had some good one-liners. Uh, again, there was a, a scene where a couple people get blown through space without a spacesuit on, and and like the effects and the repercussions of what actually would happen were pretty good, but. Uh, Again, this is a, another... It's a, a 1997. Um, watching it now, the special... I mean, even just the two years between this and The Haunting, you can see, like, the the great jumps that special effects took. Uh, it's one of those ones where a lot of the special effects look super fucking dated because um, it's got, like, that hyper-real quality to it compared to... Um, you know, what's being actually put on film at the same time. Uh, so that's one thing I'll give to him that I didn't say the last time, is that the the scenes that they shot on video for them to see what was actually happening in the original ship uh, were mostly practical, and they actually looked really good. Uh, but overall, I just... Like, I fucking hate this movie. I don't... It was disappointing then. It's still disappointing to me now. It's got some great performances, but... Uh, outside of that, you know, it's it's a Paul uh, W. S. Anderson movie, and he is good when he sticks to shit like Resident Evil, you know, action, almost horror with his, you know, now ex-wife Mila Jovovich, versus, you know, something that this could have been a great movie directed by like Guillermo del Toro. I think I think he. There's a perfect version of this out there with him behind it. Or someone in that vein who can interject a little bit of... Like, I can see Mike Flanagan doing something really good with this, too. Interjecting creepiness and intellect into the movie where this just didn't have it. So there you go. That's my number one. So what I think about Event Horizon is I think it's kind of... well. Um, I was surprised that it was on your list because it was a movie that was not thought of well when it came out. And I've, I, my dad liked it, and my, I think I had like one friend that was like really pumped on it when it came out. 
and I didn't, I guess I didn't really care for it then, but like, I don't know, you skipped to like 10 years later, I went back and watched it and remember people like it not being very good. And, and I, I, it kind of surprised me of how, how good it was with the practical effects, how well like the, the sets were the, the special effects makeup. And then I watched it this past week and I still think all of that is pretty solid. And Kathleen Quinlan, who I like, she was in some JF or in some Oliver Stone movies. I think she was in JFK, but she was in the doors. Um, and I remember her from the, the nineties and, uh, and she's like the main girl in this movie leading actress. Yeah. I, I get why people got like excited about it, but I didn't realize to the point that they were like overanalyzing 30 seconds of it. That is it's, I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. It's not like as bad as people thought it was when it came out. It was cool to see Sam Neill go batshit. Cause I just kind of know him, you know, I didn't see possession at the time. So that's the only other reference to Sam Neill going batshit, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I did find that interesting and the eyes hollowed up, but the CGI where they're on the, the wall, it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's weird of like, there's, there's things that are so bad in this movie. And then things that are, I think, you know, like the sets and stuff, it, it doesn't really look cheesy at all. The practical effects stuff look good. And even some of the stuff with like the cube thing or whatever it is, the, maybe it's not like a cube, but the like circle thing that's like getting, rotated yeah 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 that looked yeah, good the, i thought that the, the, the actual yeah that looked good yeah. yeah it's 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 it, it's a real interesting dichotomy because like like i said the practical yeah. looks really good and the cgi looks fucking horrible yeah so um not, not quite as bad as as the rock in you know uh the mummy returns oh but, that's you know pretty fucking that's bad, so. that's kind of hard to watch <laughs> but fun at the same time um to how how bad special effects were but i i find that stuff kind of interesting now to like go back and and watch i think we we talked uh or we do talk later on about Dreamcatcher, where it kind of has some similar like good effects meets bad effects in the dated dated effects um but yeah yeah um so i yeah, I guess I guess uh, with the horror nuts that like think Event Horizon is like so good, but I feel like it's just from that like opposite effect of people not really respecting it at all when it when it came out, except for you know some people who like some of the the darker sci fi kind of stuff. But yeah, all right. What about you, Kent? I feel like at this point, Chris and I have kind of gone on this Event Horizon thing so many times that I don't have anything new to offer other than to say that, you know, if we're being real here, Jason X is the definitive space horror movie after Alien. So that's really what I want to offer. Quite frankly, I think I'm going to force myself to watch Event Horizon because all these times that Chris and I have talked about this, I'm basing my memories off of seeing this like 15 years ago 
So, which is pretty much worthless. So I think I'm going to go. I'm going to watch it. And by the time we do the next podcast, I'm going to randomly intervene for about 45 seconds and be like, Chris is wrong or Chris is right and move on. Because I, I don't know. There, there's just not a whole lot more to... I mean, I don't know how many times we've talked about this particular film uh, on this podcast. It gets brought up a lot because Chris has a little bit of disdain for for the movie. Um, I'll add this. I've been holding off and holding off on buying the the Resident Evil, the final chapter. Eventually, I, f- I finally pulled the trigger. It was on sale for 8 bucks, and like two weeks later, it dropped down to 5 bucks. I've never been so uh, dismayed by a movie dropping a price so quickly in my life after waiting however many years. That's what I have to say about Event Horizon. I think part of the reason it probably hit like cult status after its release is because of how few really decent attempts we get at making sci-fi horror. And with that, I will stop talking about it and lead on into Kent's. Okay, so, as has been mentioned, I have a lot of movies. So, what we what I won't be talking about is, I won't be talking about Jaws, or Silence of the Lambs, or The Sixth Sense, or Misery, or Aliens. They're all very highly rated, and none of them are horror movies to me. So, they are getting the cut. Now, when we previously did this, I had this great list, and... I was like, you know, by the time we get to me, we're going to be kind of bored as hell having to go through the same damn thing. So I already know I'm going to do a blog about it. So in the blog, I'm going to go over my five real picks of the overrated movies, which include The Descent, It Follows, Get Out, Dawn of the Dead, and Evil Dead 2. What I've decided to do, though, is I'm just going to throw out uh, five other movies and uh, get some outrage, I guess, going. Uh I, I just want to especially shout out to Tusk, although it's not on my list and it's not that highly regarded. That's one of those movies where we talked about Rob Zombie and his fanatics. Kevin Smith has the same damn thing, and they hyped up Tusk. Like, Kevin Smith fans hyped up Tusk quite a bit to me, and that movie fucking sucks. So I just want to throw that out there as an honorary mention. The other honorary mention I want to just toss out there, just on a statistic basis of using all my uh, 11 different top 100 lists, uh, The Exorcist is widely regarded as like the best horror movie of all time. And I know in the next episode of the podcast, we do talk about uh, Exorcist 3. And I think there's a really good argument to be made, while they're both masterpieces, if if you watch both of them right now, and I say which one's scarier, I think I think more than half the people are going to say Exorcist Three is scarier than Exorcist One. That that's that's my hottest take that I'm going to make uh, on on this particular podcast. With that being said, here are my newish top five. Uh, number five. Let's go with Friday the Thirteenth. It's not the most highly regarded movie, but you know it, 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 it's the original of a slasher franchise. 
It has a 6.4 on IMDb. It has a 63% uh, on the tomometer and 60% audience uh, rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And the thing is, yeah, it has Kevin Bacon. Whatever. That part's a little overrated because how many well-known celebrities got you know their start in a horror movie? You know, a lot of them have. So whatever. Uh, it, it's a good movie. I really like Friday the 13th. But it, if you were to actually sit down and watch say, the first six Friday the 13th movies, skipping part five because, you know, it's part five and it sucks. I'm hard-pressed to say that Friday the 13th is all that much better than part two, part three, and part six. And I will definitely argue that part four is a better movie than Friday the 13th part one. It just is. It has fucking young Corey Feldman being awesome. It has, it has, it checks the bo- mar- the boxes for all the slasher cliches that we all know and love. If you're into that type of movie, Friday the Thirteenth, the original gets by because it's the first one. Even though the burning happened and. People seem to forget that fucking movie happened, even though it has Jason Alexander in it. It's pretty damn good. Uh, Friday 13th. I'm, I'm throwing it that surprisingly on my overrated list only because it has some sequels that are marginally better. But if you look at like these lists that like I have, Friday 13th is like the only one that's ever really discussed on any of these lists. And... I don't. I, I feel like you're legitimately splitting hairs between this and, and some of the other ones. Uh, the only sequel that got a single vote was Friday the 13th Part 6 got a, a number 94 ranking. So, I don't know. I, I know. I don't think either of you guys really are, are like in love with Friday the 13th. I'm not sure if you guys even it, it would know the difference between, say, Part 2, 3, and 4. I don't know. But, like... I, I don't know. How, do you do you guys agree that part one might be a little bit more overrated than it deserves? I yeah, I would agree with you. I'm really surprised that that those words came out of your mouth, though, Kent. Like that's the biggest shocking thing I've heard in probably the last three years of podcasts. I'm making content here, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I just look at like the the picture on your Facebook and. You know, like the stuff on your your website. You know, I don't know where this is coming from. Like, what happened to Kent? <laughs> Listen, I, I have the hockey mask. I have the machete. Neither one appeared in the original Friday the Thirteenth. That that that's what I got to say about that. Or the second one too, right? Yeah, the second the one burlap has the burlap sack. sack. Yeah. The burlap sack, and the third one is the three D one, which is probably my favorite. As a kid, I watched uh, really quite good. a lot. Yeah, it's so it because it just like emphasizes the the 3D gags with the eyeballs popping out where he just, like crushes the head. Uh, number four is really good. Yes, with Crispin Glover's epic dance sequence where he's just like having a seizure standing up, and yeah, Corey Feldman, uh, and yeah, and then. Five is like the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It is, it is awful. Um, 
And I kind of think that Friday the 13th in general is overrated and like in the same way that Nightmare on Elm Street is overrated, which I, I, I have a love for, um, and I have a love for Friday the 13th. Um, even the reboot I thought was, was well done. Uh, it was fun, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm actually really surprised you mentioned it also, and I just, you know, but also I feel like it's kind of like an easy target. I think the, you know, I, I think Scream, when, you know, it was like the question in the beginning with Drew Barrymore and they mentioned the the twist and it was, I, I don't think that I really knew at that time that it was the mother, you know, as the killer. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't seen Friday the 13th or Scream, I, I can't help you. <laughs> so, um, you, you just ruined it for so few people. <laughs> so few, so few people. Well, if somebody survives later on down the road because somebody redoes the original Ghost Faces uh, questions on the phone, Kevin just saved their life. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Ke- Kevin's a lifesaver. Yeah. Good, good on you, man. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I can see that it that it's over overrated. I think I think it is considered to some degree overrated, but that's because there's sequels and people like this one or that one. And, you know, I remember Jason goes to hell was the one that came out when I was like 12 or 13. And it was corporate enough for my, you know, uh, for my dad to let me watch. There wasn't, I don't think there was like nudity or anything. And Jason goes to hell. And Jason goes to hell. Yeah. Three, three, three things. Of oh wow, it's been a while. Not that I was counting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I haven't made it to it yet. I've been watching the movies. Like I'll watch one every Halloween. So in the last five years, I've made it to five. So, um, I'm excited. Five is just a demoralizing situation. Yeah. Man. It is. So I'm going to wait until October and I'm going to check out number six and I'm excited for it. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, that's my two cents. Yeah, six, six is like where you get like zombie Jason. He has the fucking spear and it's the last time we get Tommy Jarvis and Jarvis is great. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun at, at the very least. It's, it's either where you consider the franchise to have gone straight up silly or it brought the franchise back for part six and part seven, because a lot of people like part seven. Is that Corey Feldman's character from the fourth so. one? Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I think Tommy Jarvis is played by the guy that's in, fifth- uh, like, Re- Return of the Living Dead. I think it's the same blonde-haired dude. Uh, I can't think of his the character's name, uh, but if anybody's familiar with that franchise, you, you know who I'm talking about. All right. With that being said, and I promise this is definitely not a trend whatsoever because I pre-planned all of this. My number four, Nightmare on Elm Street. Kevin just brought <laughs> it up. We we talked about this a few months ago. But I'm sorry, why the fuck is Nightmare on Elm Street on so many lists? But Nightmare on Elm Street 3, lo and behold... It shows up on two lists, one at 98, one at 50. Meanwhile, the original Nightmare is on 10 of the 11 lists. 
Uh, 73, 20, 31, 72, 65, 10, 15, 14, 12, and 11. Those are some pretty lofty numbers, and I love the original. We all do. We talked about this ad nauseum at the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise podcast. With that being said, I still think we all walked away saying Part 3 was the better movie. So if that's the case, why the fuck is it not getting any respect compared to the original? And once again, it's just because there's origin bias in horror movies. And it's kind of frustrating. Like, the more I delved into these lists, like, how how little respect sequels got, which is going to go into, you know, episode 44, I'm sure. Uh, we're, we're diving into the terrible twos. Uh, but yeah, for horror franchises, which there's a plethora of them, like, it, it's almost always the original gets all the love. Uh, it, it, even a movie as great as Exorcist Part 3, The Exorcist gets all the fucking love. Nightmare on Elm Street gets all the love, not Part 3. It's kind of frustrating if you're a fan that's actually watched the movies and you know that there's a definite uh, difference in quality or entertainment value, whatever you want to call it. So... Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, my fourth, number four, overrated movie. Thoughts? You're just going big for this list now, Kent. Hey, I'm trying to create new content, <laughs> just so we're not bored. <laughs> no, I, I'd agree. I mean, for everything great about both of these last two, um, you know, especially the creation of two of horror's biggest icons, there's a lot of, you know... 80s-isms and not necessarily good ones in both of the movies. Uh, it's it, Nightmare on Elm Street is a horror movie that's really tame, too, by today's standards. Like, you're looking at a handful of kills. Some of them very creative. Some of them not so much. I mean, we get a lot of blood, but not a lot of actual gore. You know, especially with Johnny Depp's death. Um, I mean, that, yeah. that counts for 95% of the blood. That counts for 95% of the blood in, like, the whole series. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I can't knock it because, like, I, I completely agree with you. The, the origin bias um, really, really does hit hard in both of those franchises. I also, um, I'm just going to agree. And, uh, the origin bias, yeah, it's a real thing. I think I kind of suffer from it also, or I'm guilty of it. Uh, like as an example, maybe this will be a segue into your, your third one, but saw, uh, I really liked the first saw, but like, if I was to rank them, you know, I would feel like I'd have to put saw one up higher than six or, seven and i mean i guess the first one's probably better than seven but i think saw six might be the best one of all of them but and then but even the second and third ones aren't as bad as i remembered after coming off the first one i think the first one was just simple and that was what was nice about it but when you really get into like the giant franchise of it you know there's there is there are things that are terrible about sequels, and then there's the the cliches that people think, you know, about sequels 
that make them worse, like the excess or the more kills or or even like the formula that kind of Jimmy Kennedy character in the Scream films kind of explains that they all kind of tie together with these rules. Uh, yeah, sometimes going off the rails, like say Jason X, that that one is just so good. So good. And I agree that it is better than Event Horizon to do a callback to that. But anyways, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Now, this next one actually was like the last movie I crossed off my list last time we did this. And actually, it's funny, Kevin, because Saw almost made it this time on this list, but it just missed the cut. Um, so I'm fully aware that most people are going to disagree with me on this one. Um, whatever. <sighs> to complete the trilogy, Halloween. Not because of origin bias, because it's a really well-made movie. Don't get me wrong. But Jamie Lee Curtis is overrated. More importantly, and this is where my, my biggest points of emphasis is going to be. And uh, this is where I'm, I'm going to get detractors. Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween was a better story and better film than the original Halloween. And there's no shame in that, but people will not accept that truth. But they actually gave us a story behind Michael. That was kind of nice to know why, you know, he was the way he was. I liked it. I liked having that little bit of a backstory. The acting overall was better in Rob Zombie's remake. I'm really trying not to take anything away from John Carpenter because I do think the man's a freaking genius. I I think the original Halloween holds a special place in horror. I mean, it, it did so much good. But Rob Zombie's Halloween never gets even mentioned as like a good movie. Like not not even like to say that's better than the original. It just doesn't even get like mentioned as a good movie half the damn time. And and I don't really get that. Uh it seems like there's just so much pushback sometimes on Rob Zombie, which you know we talked about quite a bit earlier. Uh I don't know. I'm going to say the original Halloween is overrated. I'll even say that the sequel to the original Halloween, because you know, we got four fucking timelines or whatever, uh, Halloween 2 was actually really, really good and may have actually been better than the original Halloween. And, and I don't even want to talk about the new trilogy because I just don't want to. But um, at least one of you guys got to disagree with me on this. I'm, I'm, so, I'm uh, just curious if your next two are going to be like Alien and The Exorcist. <laughs> or, or maybe... Maybe the thing and I don't. Know. Uh, no, you're not going. You wouldn't be able to guess the next two. I don't think. Uh, they're, they're, I, I, I'm breaking the tradition here. You, after, you know, after no, can I? I fucking agree with you, man. Because I mean, it, it gave us an entire genre, but like, I think the the biggest problem with with Halloween is that it was it was supposed to be a one and done, and then recontextualizing it into a a series you know you end up having a lot of issues trying to make it work i mean and they did but you know doing what rob zombie did with with the remake you know fixes a lot of that shit and like you said it gives 
gives a reason for what's going on in a backstory. Whether or not you needed it is probably going to be depending upon whether or not you prefer one or the other. Uh, I mean, I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis is overrated because I think she's been in... Let me put it like this. I think she's overrated in horror movies, but I think she's got fucking great comedic timing. I love some of the 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 uh, comedies she's done more than almost anything. You know, Trading Places, Fish Called Wanda. Um, but yeah, no, I would agree. She's she's overrated to be considered a scream queen. Uh, so no, I uh, I would say that your list is probably pretty fucking accurate rather than controversial so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with. With Halloween being overrated, I, I like Rob Zombie's Halloween. And when I said that, and I thought it, I wasn't excited about Rob Zombie doing Halloween because I really liked The Devil's Rejects a lot. So when I found out that he was going to do something unoriginal and like a remake, and that just sounded like poison you know just uh, get it away from me uh to begin with uh what he did and was he added all of the mythology that they added in because it's halloween 2 that we find out that he's laurie and michael are brother and sister and you know i i think you know and they obviously did do themselves a disservice by adding that in and then killing her off and then you know uh, it I I kind of felt feel like Halloween two is kind of overrated also. Um, and I don't really know much about the other ones. I remember seeing Halloween four as a kid. I don't remember Halloween three. I think I saw it, but it just never clicked in that it was a Halloween movie because I don't know. It was, I was probably like ten years old or something from renting movies from Mr. Video. I remember the, the cases, um, a lot. Uh, but yeah, I did, I liked, and I, I remember seeing Rob Zombie's Halloween two, and I was really weirded out by it. And that like the, you know, bringing, uh, uh, cherry moon zombie back as the mother. And she's like this, apparition or something. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like it, and but the more I thought about it, and then the next time I went and watched it, I kind of enjoyed it because it went a way different route than I think the, what the first one sort of set up. Or even the, the way the second one. Yeah, no. Dude, that movie gets better yeah, on me too. repeated viewings. Halloween 2, I hated I was really disappointed time, with it. I think because like, I was so I kinda did like it. expecting the first one to not be as cool as it was. And it was like a great homage. I know that John Carpenter didn't like it. And because they kind of like exposed the mystery of, you know, they did too much explaining of Michael Myers. uh, Then they don't even, he's just the shape. He does. Do they, does he even have a name? Do they even call him Michael in the first one? I don't know. I'd have to, He's just the shape. No, no, yeah, so, he's just the shape. And, um, I mean, that's literally what he's listed as. It's yeah. weird because yeah. by the time I saw those movies, that mythology was already out there. So I kind of already knew that the first time that I saw it, that 
so it's just it's just weird so um to how i i went in into it so uh but yeah the the first one is is a classic uh if you haven't seen it go go watch it uh but yeah it, it i mean it's so it's so iconic i mean how how could it live up to it you know sort of like nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th and if you weren't like raised at the time that you know we're all of the same age like you know yeah. growing up there like even if we didn't watch those movies we knew about them so cuz they were like ingrained into pop culture oh, it's so so much of that think about how many other things like simpsons and whatnot used the uh the synthesizer beat, you know, yeah. when they wanted to try to fucking set something And, and up. all the other areas of, of pop culture that referenced yeah. it, too. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, the William Shatner. And that was stuff say, that, you know, like, came like, up, that's, I don't know, in the 90s, war. right? That was, yeah. like, the, the trivia behind it. Yeah, so it probably wasn't, like. That was the first time I'd heard getting it. Getting pumped out yeah. there when it was made, because I don't even think that. Star Trek was really even big at the time until they made the first movie, which I think was, I don't know, was it like 1980, the first Star Trek movie? I don't know. Maybe 70. So that's kind of when uh, it had its like. Late 70s, maybe, yeah. When it started coming back around and then people appreciate it, you know, started to appreciate it to where it is today where, you know, so where it's cemented in history with star Wars and, you know, now Marvel. So yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. I'm proud of you. Can't. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Cause I remember when, I was very young getting when my parents got their first VCR and my mom got super excited. She's like, I'm going to show you something special. Like, cause she saw it in the theater and this was, I'm pretty sh- certain this was like the first R rated horror movie that she showed me. I don't even know. Like I was like four or five and like, she like made like this special treat and I was so hooked. Uh, like as a kid, like having never seen anything like it, Dude, it was like mind blowing to see, um, and, and you know the first, the whole scene in, in the beginning, like Michael seeing his topless sister and all that stuff, like that stuff's still iconic. It's just, it's one of those things where you have like you have the iconic the mask, you have the music, you have the iconic opening, you have Donald Pleasance, and all those things are great, but it's just not the full film that Rob Zombie uh, presented to us, surprisingly. So, alright. My number four, I don't think there's going to be much debate, only because I don't know if you guys have seen what I'm about to go with, but number four, going with The Strangers, which I know you guys have seen, but have you guys ever seen Ills, better known as Them? It's a 2006 film. No, but I but no. I want to. Okay, so the Strangers came out two years later, and uh, 
will say borrowed heavily from Ills. Um, and I had heard about this movie, um, so, like, I, so like I tried downloading it because I couldn't find it like any place to to rent or buy uh, at a reasonable price. And then uh, I think it was like early on Netflix time frame when you were getting the DVDs in, in the mail. I eventually got got it um, because the copy I downloaded just looked like shit. I mean, we all know what movies downloaded in like the mid mid two thousands just looked like shit so especially a darker movie so finally to see it on dvd i was like oh this is fantastic and then i was i was sad because nobody i knew had seen it uh so for probably like a year or two it was like one of those movies that i actually tried showing as many people that would uh you know humor me like if you like the strangers give this a shot and I'm not saying that it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's never fucking talked about. It's like the movie doesn't exist. And I don't know why something like that happens. Because all too often, we usually cite you know the, the foreign movie that came before the American remake, so to speak. Uh, that just didn't happen with... with Ills versus the strangers. It just never fucking happened. Uh, and special shout out to how bad the strangers too. I, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but the strangers too. They're the first horror movie that finally took my idea of, of using total eclipse of the heart in a horror movie. Cause that song's meant for a fucking horror movie. And it was fucking terrible. What they did with it. So terrible. So, Double slap on the wrist for The Strangers. Also, I don't think Liv Tyler is... Uh, I don't really like her that much as an actress. Like, She's perfectly average, and that's that's about it. Like, I don't hate her. I just... I don't really get her hype, other than she's Steven Tyler's daughter. So... I don't, I don't know if you guys want to add anything, knowing that you haven't seen Ills, but like... Did you guys like The Strangers? Uh, like, do you like, I don't know, have you seen better home invasion movies? I, I guess is a, a better question, maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. I I did like The Strangers. I haven't seen it in a while. I don't know about this movie. I have, it sounds familiar. It's them. It's 2006, so it came out, like, just before The Strangers, right? That's what I'm looking at, Ills. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty much the same gap as, like, let, let the right one in. I think there was a two-year gap between... So is it really based on that? Or is it just... Because it doesn't cite The Strangers as based on it, I don't think. It's very much... I, I think if you watch Ills, the thing you'll walk away saying is, oh, okay. oh that's where The Strangers yeah. got it from. The... It's not a direct, as direct as uh, you know other things that we've seen redone in, in the U.S. Uh, like Martyrs, for example. But the, w- without this movie, The Strangers just doesn't happen at all. the The biggest difference is like The Strangers have like uh, the bad guys are all adults. I'm pretty sure versus in Ills, uh, not to give too much away, but 
the the antagonists are different, I'll say. Yeah, but I did like The so. Strangers, and I think Liv Tyler is good it's, in an ensemble, but being, I could see being the main character in a really small cast of characters. I could see that running kind of long, because that, that is basically what The Strangers is, right? There's three of them. Yeah, she she had a, a beefy role that I mean she did as she did admirable, quite frankly, for the role in the strangers. Uh it's just you're right, she's better in an ensemble. That that so, I think that that's a fair way of saying it. Yeah, I think the probably the best thing I've seen with her in a, a small like main kind of role was probably super. You know, like um Yeah, she was okay in Lord of the Rings. I don't think she's a great actress, but I also don't think there's a lot of people trying to say that she's a great actress. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, she had name value for a little bit because of Armageddon and her fucking animal crackers. Yeah, movie made a... Like, she had name value, yeah. but... The movie made a lot of fucking money. I think money. that's kind of died off. She was the, right? the main girl in it. That, that'll that'll set yeah. you off for a while. I mean... Yeah. The Lord of the Rings, too. I mean, you know, she wasn't a major part of it, but, you know, probably one of the, the two largest... Made a lot of fucking roles. money. But, I mean, she was she was fine in that. She wasn't, you know, she didn't need to be great because it wasn't about her. Uh, I really like The Strangers, too. I I don't know if I would necessarily think it's overrated because I think it's really well done. But, again, I haven't seen Ills to compare it to. So, you know, if that was the case, then, yeah, it could potentially be another thing of the... Uh, something just overshining, something that should have been rated higher. So, I don't know. I, realistically, my hope with this is that people who are listening will e- eventually go and try to find a copy of Ills and watch it and judge for themselves. That that's my hope of actually putting that on here because I could have could have gone quite a few other routes, but I I really wanted to give some shine to to Ills. So please, it's if you're listening, Tubi. try to find it. It's on it's on a lot of the free ones. Sure. Amazon Prime has it for free okay, also. There so there you go. Yeah, and it's an hour and 17 minutes ah, long, so, I mean, with commercials, nice. it's going to be less than two hours, so I'll I'll definitely check it out. And I need to check out The Strangers again. It's been, I think I've watched it once, probably twice, you know, in, from 10 to 8 years ago. They're, they're remaking it. Already. I never saw the Last sequels. I heard, they're, they're already rebooting it, The Strangers. Yeah. Yeah, I There's need to check it out. Was bad. Maybe Pray for next night. month. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My number one. I mean, I've already heard at least one of you praise this movie during this podcast, which brought me some inner joy. Uh, I love this movie, but I'm going to try to make the argument that I think it's overrated. That is hereditary, which really pains me to say. But if I'm just going strictly by the numbers on where this was in like a lot of lists, um, it was as high as number 3, 10, 18, 21, 33, 25. Like, we're talking like upper, upper echelon of all-time horror movies and I can't help but feel there's just a smidgen of recency bias going on here. And 
to compare with it, because uh, there's really a lot of shitty movies based on witches and stuff, but I'll I'll toss out not only the film The Witch or the v- Double V Witch, whatever. Um, I'll, I'm also going to toss out Suspiria. Uh, to to a different extent, but Suspiria reminds me a lot of Hereditary in, in themes and, and whatnot in, in some capacity. Uh, I'm just not sure that Hereditary does a whole lot. Uh, I mean, Tony Collette's act, acting probably puts it above the other two, but not not so much to put it in like top 20 all-time horror discussion and leaving those other two out. I guess that is the crux of my argument is as great as it is, I feel like you can't you can't sit there and put this on a pedestal and then just kind of be like, yeah, Suspiria kind of exists and The Witch exists, but you know, Hereditary, it's the shining thing. I love Hereditary. I, I love the, the girl who played Charlie... I think everybody in it was great, including Anne O'Dowd, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, uh, the fucking husband, uh, G- Gabriel Byrne, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, dude, I remember uh, when we were doing the podcast for that one. Like, the scene where he's just sitting down at the traffic light and fucking... He breaks down and just starts fucking crying because his wife is fucking losing her mind. Yeah. 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 It It's really, really well acted. It really is... The ending's okay, but I I just I I don't think I'd put it in my top twenty all time horror movies. I, I don't. I, I sit here as a person that I mean, the fact that Chris has mentioned that we we talked about it in the podcast, we did the fucking blog about it. Like I have talked a lot about Hereditary. I'm a huge fan of it. I just don't think it it's as good. And I think a lot of it has to do with recency bias. Um, and or like, you know, just the younger generation not being necessarily exposed to some of the other stuff. So naturally it's going to be higher on a certain generation's list than maybe for a different generation. Uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at. And like, like I said, I, I love it. It's in my top 50. I don't, it's just not my top 10. I, I think that's a pretty big, there's a big line somewhere in between for me. Um, and it's tough to say, because I, I love the movie. I'm not knocking the movie, it's just, it, it is overrated, is where I'm at. Like, there's no way it's number three or number ten all time. It just isn't. So. It is weird that it's that it's so high. Um, the first time I saw Hereditary, I was totally blown away by the mid-sequence, or like the first hour and like the car sequence we'll say because i didn't see it coming and what the movie was leading to i didn't really understand it i didn't even get the witch stuff all the way i just really wasn't into that stuff but i liked what was going on in the movie and it was kind of because i wasn't really tuned into all of the like i knew it was kind of happening but i wasn't really like super tuned into the the witch stuff, I wasn't really trying to get into it, just kind of like watching what the movie was going to offer. And I liked it, and the ending was okay, and then I watched it again for the second time uh, a couple months ago, and I kind of got the ending, and I kind of get why people were so are, are so hyped about it, I think, because once it kind of clicked that this 
woman, the mother, Tony Collette's mother, like ruined their lives because she was a witch. And then she kind of like, and separate like estranges the family. And then through the death of her daughter and the death of her mother, it kind of like through their death brings them back together in this fucking strange way. And just the, I, I, how the end kind of clicked. I still don't, wouldn't say I completely get it. So I feel like there's at least another good rewatch in it. Um, knowing more than I did the second time. And obviously the second time I knew more than the first time. So am, am, I, am I wrong in, in, cause I've watched it a few times and every time I'm left a little bit, but am, am I wrong in saying that basically they want, Charlie was meant to be the leader, but was in the wrong body. So basically Anno Dowd being part of that group had to get the the brother's soul out of his body so Charlie could have the body and become the next yeah. leader. Is that kind of the idea? Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I got, yeah. It's really tricky the first time. I didn't, I didn't if I remember it. correctly, I was Paimon really could only take over a male body. So Charlie was supposed mm-hmm. to be the uh, the next one, but because she was born a girl, you know, they had to Fuck, <laughs> murder the whole family to get to get Peter's, you know, fucking soul out of his body to fucking be able to be possessed by, you know, Charlie and Pot. Yeah, I mean, it's the reason it works is because it's 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 well written, it's well acted, it's well directed. It's an allegory to you know how much of it is actually horror. You know, which, again, at the end of the movie, you know, if you take everything at face value, we see is, you know, actually horror versus how much of it is mental illness caused by, you know, the fucking trauma that the family's going through. Um, But yeah, no, I would agree with you, Kent. It's, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie, but it's, it's not. The third greatest horror yeah, film of all time. Maybe. Oh, I, I, I could, if not. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't ever really thought about making like a top ten list, but I don't know if it would make my top ten list. Probably yeah. top ten yeah. most recent horror movies. Yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, like from the 2000s on, it definitely makes that top ten. Yeah. I think that's... I might, even go, I might even go Midsummer over Hereditary. Oh. Um, <sighs> What about see? I th- I feel this and Babadook are like sibling movies in some way. Like I didn't see Babadook. Bo- oh, oh my God, Kevin! That that was a shot through the heart. See, part of the I reason that part of the reason that Babadook hit me so hard, Kent, was when I watched it. My son was about six months old, and I was watching my wife go through the the whole lack of sleep experience with having a, a newborn. And I, oh, I yeah. saw that, and I was like, oh my god, don't let Krista see this movie until Owen's older, because this is going to resonate with her so much right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see. that 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 That's a movie that hits people differently, depending on life experiences, obviously. And I mean, I, I have no idea what you do and do not know about the movie, Kevin, so I'm not, try- not trying to hype it or anything. To me, it, it hits, even though like I'm not even a parent. It just hits in a different way. But I will tell you this ahead of time, Kevin, the kids go fucking drive you nuts the first half hour of the movie, but you just got to let it go. <laughs> 
that's the best I can tell you. I have, just gotta go with it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard people mention the, that the movie is pretty annoying, or the children are. Um, but it's on Shutter, it looks like, or AMC Plus somewhere. So I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try to check that out soon. Um, that, then when you when you watch that and you see, I don't know if you've ever seen Essie Davis and some other stuff. But then you'll understand, like, why Kent and I were so disappointed by that last episode of Cabinet of Curiosities, you know. So, dis- yeah. so disappointed. <laughs> and it was, was Jennifer Kent directed it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And uh, the dude played Rick Grimes. Andrew Lee. Yeah, and, and between between the director and the star of the Babadook being in, like, the most disappointing episode of uh, House of, or Cabinet of Curiosities, you know, it was just kind of like, what the fuck was the point of that shit? And then that being the first episode I watched, like, I, I guess in some ways maybe it was good because everything after that seemed pretty damn good. But, oof, I, I don't know. You know, actually, that would be a good po- – you know, I'm, I'm already writing down ideas for next year's podcast, but be- best horror movies of, of since 2000 because I, I feel like we're in – a really good golden age of like a lot of different ideas for horror. Like, I mean, the eighties was the decade of slashers and nineties was ending out with that, but then introducing us with scream and they tried a couple of other things, but like two thousands have been really kind to us in horror. I think, I think a good portion of that is because with so many indie successes, they've shown that you can make money off of horror without necessarily having to, you know, blow 150, 200 million on it like you would with an action movie or a sci-fi movie or a superhero movie. So, yeah, we've had all sorts of, you know, stuff from, you know, there was like a good ghost story portion, a demonic possession portion, found footage has been all sorts of over the place, serial killers, you know, it's, yeah, I would say it's a resurgence, you know, even, uh, you know, like it's way more easy to find, I would say foreign horror now than it used to be. I mean, think oh, about, yeah. think oh, about yeah. like in 2006 when ills came out, you wouldn't have even probably fucking have heard about it over here. Yeah. No, absolutely yeah. not. I, I randomly came across on some list because, you know, it was a point in my life where I was just trying to find, like, the scariest and or most effed up movies. So, I mean, that's how I came across, you know, Salo and Antichrist and other movies. Uh, but, yeah, I'm happy that I came across it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, there's a movie called The Loved Ones that a lot of people don't know. It's an Australian movie, and it's really, really good. But the Australian movie that everybody knows is fucking Wolf Creek, which is okay, but a kind of cliche in some ways, too. Uh, but yeah, foreign horror is... I mean, we're not even touching the Asian horror, which has really been good, too. So... Oh, yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh, so... Since this is going to be a, a wrap-up for this one, um, I know it's only been a couple weeks since we did the prior slash sequel <laughs> um, podcast. Did you guys check anything new out uh, since since the last time we talked? Uh, I have. Uh, I I have saw 
I watched one thing, but I think I'm going to save it for the next the next podcast and put it on my list. Gotcha. So, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Count. What, what have you seen? Are, are you are you holding off? Are you holding off on Skinner Rink? I I haven't watched it yet. No, I did see Skinner Rink though. Actually, did did you like it at least? Like, is it something that I'm I'm just I'm halfway through it and I still have no interest? Does it get better? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it, it comes together as. But if you really don't like the first half of it, like. Then it's gonna. I think it's gonna be tough because it is. Okay, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything about it, but so you create your own opinion of it. Maybe it does come together. I just like movies that really like push. I don't know. First of all, they make me feel like I can make a movie, you know, because they're so like cheap, and, and and I can't. But it makes me feel like I can, you know. So I like, you know, and I like the way that they use just lighting and the the use of child uh child actors with you know and and doing like a a a movie like child actors are really tough to work with and they found a way around it where they're just doing voiceovers and we don't really see the kids faces and they just the way they created this film for so little and um yeah i like i like art films I, i i had the patience for it so i i I did enjoy it. I do. I did like it. But yeah, it's. Let me ask you this: Is is the scares in atmosphere, or is the scares involved jump scares? Because I've heard it's just jump scares and a little bit of atm- like it's mostly atmosphere, and then you get a couple jump scares, and that's kind of how the movie has been summed up for me. And I'm all for atmosphere, but I don't. As we know, I just. I'm good for one or two jump scares and beyond that. Yeah, I, did, I, I don't I'm think there's with. any jump scares into it. It's all very more like atmosphere and creepy and it's, uh, okay. I mean, there's some stuff that goes on, but yeah, it doesn't really feel like, I don't know. It's just, it's just like creepy and atmospheric, but yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's not like super scary. I feel like it's more, trying um for for people uh so yeah it's you, you'll get there it's it's okay um overall but yeah i wasn't i liked it but i'm not crazy about it it's not like you know mind-blowing experimental filmmaking but i do admire what they did with very little and you know in the exposure that they got gotcha. for that kind of movie, you know. Right. So, yeah, it, less people are gonna like it than yeah. than enjoy it. But and then the people that enjoy it like make it like it's something greater than it is. Too, so, it's kind of great to talk about on this podcast. Uh, yeah, they're just, I don't know, like against the grain people. Like when people say, "Oh, I didn't like that," they gotta like come up with excuses of why it's so great. And it's like you don't, you can just be like, "Oh, I liked it." You know, it. They kind of like drum up stuff to like yeah. you know. Computer critics, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna throw out what I have seen recently. Um, I already discussed Waco. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on Showtime. I don't need to delve further into it. It was just a really well done miniseries. Um, 
I recently saw Clue for the very first time, as strange as that is to say, and I had a great time with it. Um, you know, it, it's dated as hell, and, and I don't even know if some of the comedy may not hold up well in today's society, but, uh, I mean, it was funny. It was a funny movie, and I, I had a thoroughly uh, an entertaining time. I think that was on... I think that was on Prime, but I also have it on Vudu, so uh, either way, I had it. Um, on Netflix, I saw a documentary called The Pez Outlaw, and that was a surprisingly uh, fun little documentary. I, I would I would recommend. I think it was only like an hour and a half. Uh, it was kind of about this dude who would go over to Europe and get these rare or unique Pez dispensers that uh, Pez USA was refusing to sell, so he created this whole like market, uh, and then he became the Pez outlaw. Uh, it's a simple idea, but it's fun. Uh, I saw. I'm trying. I'm trying to kind of funnel this stuff. Uh, I saw Air on on Amazon. It's about uh, Nike and the Air Jordan sneakers. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jason Bateman. A very overweight Jay Moore, which I didn't know he put on so much weight, but he's also banging the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers, Genie Bus. so good on him. Uh, overall, good movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the the main, the, the best actor in it was the detective from M. Night's movie, Devil. I, I don't have anything up to tell you his name, but really... Uh, he was a really great performer in that particular film. I would recommend it if the idea of finding out the origin of Michael Jordan's sneakers sounds remote. You know what's funny? And I is don't... that the detective what? from Devil, who is in error, is also the lead in that the Boogeyman, which is getting pretty decent reviews out right now. Chris Messina is his name, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah, so I... I I don't know, I'm all in on him as a performer now. He he played uh, David Falk, which is Michael Jordan's uh, agent, play, the player agent. Um, and he just goes off on, like, swearing tirades. He's just really, like, that outlandishly funny type of guy in a movie like that. Um, so it has a lot of good music if you like, you know, 80s music. You know, it's, it is what it is. It, it, it knows how to pop the audience that's trying to watch it. Um, I recently rewatched Ready or Not, uh, which is a really underrated, relatively recent movie, um, because it's horror, but it's also got a lot of comedy elements to it, and I don't, I think it, I want to say it fell through the cracks, but quite frankly, nobody ever talks about the damn movie, so to me, that's fallen through the cracks, and I think... I don't know. I I think it deserves a little bit more love. Uh, so I'm giving the movie a little bit more love. I saw Shivers by David Cronenberg. If you know David Cronenberg, uh, I mean, it's about a sex-crazed parasite that goes person-to-person -person kind of thing in an apartment building. There you go. It's a great, great little... Uh, Cronenberg's 1970s era, I think it was late 70s. Um, but, but 
with all that out of the way, there's two movies in particular I did want to talk about with you guys, because I'm guessing you, I, I know Kevin's seen at least one of them. Um, either of you see Violent Nights with David oh, Harbour? Yeah, that's it's so good. This week, actually. Okay. It, dude, I, you know how much I love Home Alone? You're gonna, you're gonna like it. You, you're, you're just gonna like it. And, um, there's a character called Krampus in the movie, and it's played by Brendan Fletcher, who was in Freddy vs. Jason. He was the best friend of the guy they were in the insane asylum together. So, yeah, there's there's my little horror tie-in. And it was just a lot of fun. It's a fun, fun movie. I think you'll you'll really like it. And I, I won't give anything more away. Uh, and the last thing on my list... Uh, was Pearl, which finally made it to Showtime. I think it was Showtime, not Paramount Plus. Whatever it was, I, I, I got to see it. Um, I, I read that uh, some people are saying in some ways it reminds them of like the female version of the film The Joker with, with Joaquin. And the as I'm watching, it, I was like, I it's not a that's not a bad analogy. Like, it's not as good as the Joker. Her performance isn't as good as Joaquin's, but Joaquin's is like an all-time performance, and this is still very, very, very good. Like, it's a great performance. Mia Goth is just killing it as of late. Uh, I th- I think Pearl may have been the better movie between Pearl and X, but I think X was still a more fun movie. And, uh, and Kevin, you've seen Pearl. One thing I noticed, is it just me, or did they make the inside of the home look a little bit like the home in the original Texas oh, Chainsaw Massacre with the it's red been a while. wallpaper? It's been a few years since I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, so I don't know if I remember. I, um, but, yeah, that makes sense. They had a lot of homage to lots of different movies in that. Uh, I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre and... The Wizard of Oz, you know, and um, <laughs> yeah, really two two very different. Movies, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're both. I, I really I agree pretty much with everything you're saying. Um, it is not as good as Joker, but her performance was like really, really good in Pearl. I up to like almost halfway of the movie, I'm like, yeah, she's way better in Infinity Pool but even Infinity Pool halfway through the movie you don't get how great her performance is until you make it to that you know the second late second act middle of the third act you know right She she's officially made me a fan, so now I, I'm going to go back and watch the. She was in the remake of Suspiria. She was in A Cure for Wellness and Marrowbone, and I have all three of those. So I'm going to go back now because I'm officially on a Mia Goth kick, and okay. she is. She she has the it factor. She Whoa. has to be this decade's girl of horror, nice. as far as I'm concerned. I don't think there's anybody else that's touching it. I mean, we're Whatever, we're take. only three years in, so I mean, that's... <laughs> you heard it here, Mia Goth. Yep, I'm proclaiming it right now. Because, yeah. it, it I mean, as long as she kills it in Maxine, that's 
of that's three movies in that trilogy plus Infinity Pool. I, I just yeah, I I I don't know. That'd be four four really good performances. I don't I don't know who else is going to come up with four great yeah. performances in horror. Usually females don't stick in horror in two years too. Uh, too awful much. Like there's a few like, in, in two first, years too. It's like a very short time they go period on. of time for four. What was that? Three, three in two years, you know, two, two of the X Pearl and infinity pool, you know, that's, that's crazy. Sorry, can't, I'm with you. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm just, I'm really, really kind of, uh, I don't know. She's got my undivided attention moving forward. So, uh, I'm really excited to see Maxine and whatever else, uh, you know, is on her, you know, to-do list for movies. So that's what I've, I, I've admittedly watched a bunch of shit since the last podcast. So I, and I still haven't seen the Japanese version of cube, which is on nice. the screen box, but I'm going to. Chris. Uh, the only th- oh, shit what did I, I watched, yeah, pretty much far away from a horror kick. <laughs> I went to the movies with my wife and we saw Guardians of the Galaxy three, which I really liked. Actually, had me tear up like six or seven times during the movie. But I am a sap, so there is that. Uh, we just watched uh, Shazam two, Fury of the Gods, which is on HBO, and she liked it, but I wasn't very impressed by it. Uh, I did get a chance to finish um, season two of uh, Channel Zero, though, which we had talked about a little bit uh, the last podcast we did. Did you like it better than the first season? Yeah, I didn't dislike season one, but I think season two had a much clearer vision. Even if it it changed how I thought it was going to go by about like the second or third episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. By the th- I think the third episode, all of a sudden, like everything that I was com- coming to expect of where it was going to go, nah, it didn't. But um, it definitely, I think, was it, it hit the mark for atmosphere. I think it was probably one of the creepiest like houses alive stories you know I've seen put on film. And uh, John Carroll Lynch fucking killed it. But he's really he's, he's really good at, at a lot of stuff I've seen him like he he killed the scenes he was in which weren't many of them in in uh, Zodiac too like I can still I don't remember all of the movie but I remember each scene that he was in so he was great in American Horror Story when he had his you know little bit parts here and there and I mean to this day I still hold his one episode on Walking Dead with really really high acclaim because like there's just him and Lenny James pretty much the whole episode and they killed it. Yeah. So, uh, by any chance, I mean, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. Have you watched any of the like little mini I Am Groot things on Disney Plus? Because I did binge watch all five or six. Uh, you know, that's basically the only Disney MCU thing that they've released that I haven't watched. <laughs> it's. There was like two of them that I la- like giggled at, and then the other three—I I think there was five of them—where I was just like, "I get it." There, it's it's really for kids, but yeah, there was a couple things I did laugh at. So, it was, it was Guardians the best the uh, MCU you've, you've seen this. Yeah, I mean, 
What else has there been? Ant Man and then Wakanda Forever, right? Those are the- yeah, like Wakanda. I think came out last year, but I didn't see it until this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I oh, you know what? I think I saw Ant Man too since then, and um, it wasn't great, but I don't think it it deserves like the lowest rating. You know, like it, it holds among all of the uh, the MCU films that have been released so far. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I can definitely th- see that. I think um, superhero fatigue is is setting in. You know, especially with you know Marvel, DC, things like The Boys and um, Invincible on uh, Prime, Netflix trying to throw out a bunch of stuff that's failing and you know, ending it. Uh, I I think losing all the really big names from the uh, you know phase one of MCU, like losing the those the pillars of MCU, I I think is going to they're still going to be successful, but it's just not going to reach the same height. Well, I don't know if they necessarily had a clear vision for where they were going when they finished the first Avengers. But, you know, they, they gave us an idea of where they were heading in Thanos. And, I mean, even then, if yes. it was a couple of more years later till they actually paved out, you know, we have phases, and that was phase one, and this is phase two and phase three. Phase four had no fucking through line. Like, the, the one through line it was was, like, we're going to do a couple of movies with people who haven't left, but now we have to introduce a whole bunch of new characters. Um, and And to go along with that, they released, what, for the first two or three years, like, a fucking show every f- every three months? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and now, you know, we'll see where the fuck it's going because of the, the trial, but, um, you know, Phase 5 going all in on the multiverse and Kang, you know, at least they gave us an idea, but it, again, yeah, like, there hasn't been an Avengers movie since 2019, to bring together all these disparate, separate projects. So, I mean, you went from having what three within, well, four within 11 years to four within 14 going on 15 years before we're going to see another, you know, big joint project for that. Yeah, it, it seems like they're they're kind. Of, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're setting themselves up for failure or if they're just trying to see as like use as much time to maybe not overkill. I I don't know. It's very weird. And I mean, it's hard to try. You know, it's hard it. to tell what's going on too. Like how much of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, with like the CEO, you know, Bob Chapek becoming the CEO all the changes he made and then getting ousted and then Bob Iger coming back, all the arguments that Disney's got going on in Florida right now. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell how much of, you know, the writer's strike of the, the stuff going on outside of the, the, the MCU as a whole is affecting, you know, the MCU. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I don't ever want to see shit fail. You know, I don't want to see anybody's, you know, attempt to make something for us to enjoy turn out to be less than worthwhile. Um, so, I mean, I hope they, they get their shit together and go. I think the Guardians was the best one that I've seen in quite a while. Uh, but 
really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the other Avengers movies. Yeah. This third one, it's like a standalone film, and I think that's to its merit. Um, but yeah, I don't see a line, and they they come out with what like four Marvel movies a year. I mean, they came out with Doctor Strange and Thor last year, and yeah, well, yeah. Black Panther, Wakanda. Yeah. So they're coming out with them like every three or four months. Ant Man came out, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's no we get the Marvels connection yeah, later on this year too. Oh, what are we okay. the Marvels? Oh, okay. The, oh, okay. the Captain Marvel sequel. Yeah. Is there any other shows coming out in, in the MCU uh, on the horizon? They were working on Loki two, season two. Um, but I don't know where they got in in coming out with that because of the um, the writer strike. I don't know if they had finished it or not. Uh, same thing with What If season two, the the animated one. I like that. I like that. The, that's those two. I think should be out this year. You know, as long as they resolve the uh, the writer strike relatively soon. Yeah, which is postponing the Blade movie, which I'm not happy about because I really want to see what they do with the new Blade. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I love the old ones, but I, I do really like Maharshala Ali as well. So. Yeah, I heard Deadpool three is getting postponed because yeah, that got pushed back. Because they're ready to shoot it, but they can't shoot the movie with the writer's strike because they have to do the entire script as is, and Ryan Reynolds cannot ad lib anything during the writer's strike because they would have to like rewrite it on the set or whatever. Yep. That's how they yep. do it, and that's kind of the vibe of those movies. That's what I heard anyway. Yeah, no, no, that's mouth. yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting, like. The the one I'm really can't make it. The one the stuff I'm really interested to see is is what it's how it's going to affect television. You know, like what the fuck are they going to do? You know, when the seasons that are out now are done, and you're looking to come into a slate of fall television with no shows with scripts before they fucking start. It aren't we basically going to end up kind of like where we did at. Like you know, after the first six months to a year of the pandemic, where they just have like all these shows that have like six episodes, that they just kind of put that up because oh. at least it's content. I, I don't know because I mean, like I remember the last writer strike affecting stuff to a degree, but I mean it killed Masters of War. That Horror. was just a writer strike. This one. Like they're not even getting into the negotiations really with the writers until after the directors and the. Um, the Directors Guild uh, was already striking before this came up. So you have like two major uh, trade unions having to work and deal, come to terms with the producers before you know any of that stuff can be fucking worked on. <coughs> what I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, is that the laws are different over in Europe. So potentially, I think people have been courting about going and filming overseas because then they don't come under the contractual obligations that they would if they were working over here, which is a fucked up fucking situation because you can you imagine like, oh, we're just going to ignore labor strikes and go fucking do your show over in Britain. E- yeah, I, it, it, creates a lot. it creates a lot of issues. It really... But 
Uh, hopefully we get some. Uh, hopefully it gets resolved soon enough because uh, yeah, I, I want to be entertained and I need to know how many other Walking Dead spinoffs we're going to get. Yes, I, I need to know these things because I'm watching the final season of Fear the Walking Dead. And it is trash-tastic, and I wish I had taken a drink every time they said the word seven years. <laughs> so, I think that pretty much wraps up this month. You guys have anything else you want to add? No. I, I'm, I'm excited for the next podcast. I am sorry for the technical difficulties. Oh, no, no, it, it oh, happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so because we don't know, ever know when everything's going to be posted, uh, we'll hopefully see you back for the next one, which is our most... Uh, underrated movies and then after that we are going to be doing one that we're calling the terrible twos which is going to be number twos in a series uh i think we're going to do a split ones that uh we really liked and then ones that shouldn't have been made so thank you for tuning in again again we apologize for the technical difficulties uh and as always uh have a good night and we'll see you back at the next one Thank you. Have a good night.